Well, back for another. Here we are again, my man. Let's get a little malice in the chalice. Cheers, brother. A little dilly dilly. <laughs> Off to the pit of misery with you. Mm. Part two, man. Part two. Talk about four. The devil's in the details. In the details. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, how how great is it that you know there, Game of Thrones is so intricate that we need multiple parts just to get through like one season or you know partially through one book. Like, how great is that, man? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean that's what's so great about. A fantasy show is it's not like I mean even sports right sports you can dissect even down to like statistics and that sort of thing but it basically almost can become bland to audiences at points whereas like here there's so much material it's like the day flies for us man it's, like, it's so true it's funny, we joke around about this like every time we do our podcast, like, God, man, yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. get in there, you know, hang out for about an hour, get our stuff on yeah. on there, and then we'll get out of there, and it's like, it always turns into an all-day thing for us. Oh, man, like, to take you guys through a quick day for me and Josh, we first thought when we would do this thing <laughs> that it would take an hour, we were like, yeah, I want to do an hour every Sunday, an hour and a half, maybe. Yeah. That was like four hours later. Yeah. Go to lunch, come back, it's like 10.30. Crazy. <laughs> Staying up late. We basically just have to book every Sunday from now on. Because, like, it's so funny. People who don't have a podcast or maybe have just had, like, the first thoughts of having a podcast, they really don't understand, you know, it, what goes into it. You know, like, go, you know, the, the preparation, you know, taking the notes, making sure you're as detailed as possible so you've got great content. And then on top of that, getting the right equipment. And then, uh, you know, not even to mention, like, you know, the actual, like, presenting of it. You know, if you get to a point where... Uh, before you kind of really get into it, you're like, man, I don't like how that sounds. Let's go ahead and you know, cut that start over, or... right? And then like, let's say everything goes perfectly well, you still got to worry about editing the audio and editing the video at the end. So like, it's it's an all day process, guys. So if any of you are out there um, that are starting a podcast, I, I say do it. Just don't think it's gonna be a walk in the park and you're gonna <laughs> yeah. get in there and get out in an hour and a half, two hours because it's not happening. <laughs> I mean, you get some funny stories along the way, it is <laughs> which is pretty funny. It's so funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's one thing this thing has really taught me is like what goes into a podcast because you know we just woke up one day and we're like, yeah, let's, let's shoot this, let's shoot for the stars. <laughs> it's true, you know. Chase, he he came to me and uh, it's like, man, like you know, podcasts are really starting to pick up around the around the country. You know, I'm thinking about doing this kind of podcast. Like, are you in? I was like, yeah, I'm in. Like, two yeah. days later, we were recording our first podcast. <laughs> like, we didn't have any sort of preparation to plan. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we started building that along the way. And so it, it's, it's a fun journey. And, you know, we're always going to keep improving as we go on and yeah. we're learning new things. We're going to get new, better equipment. Like, as, you know, things keep progressing. And a lot of that's thanks to you guys because, you know, your viewership is what helps us. Um, you know, stay really, you know, active relevant. And, and relevant. Exactly. Yeah. And it, you know, some people, right? Like, what'll happen is, you know, they'll go months and have like a view or two, and then they just give up because there's nothing there. So it really attests to you guys. Like, we're here because you guys are there. Like, yeah. I mean, we always make that joke. We get cowboys. So, <laughs> but uh, I mean, in in conjunction with that, so let's uh. Let's give them what they're they're looking for, man. When we last uh, man. <laughs> when we yeah. last left off, uh, 
for part one of season four, which does uh, of Game of Thrones, which does kind of accumulate part of a like the last part of a Storm of Swords and into the first part of A Feast for Crows. We really kind of left off with that uh, nice visionary of Daenerys having her army launch the barrels full of broken collars over the walls of Marine, and how the slaves like they picked one of them picked up a collar and saw it was broken, like his eyes got wide with like kind of excitement, mm -hmm. you know. So he, at that point in time, like I said, you start wondering like, okay, you know, has she done enough to win them over? Right. Which you know we'll talk like you know what she goes through afterwards to kind of really put the nail in that coffin and, and help them take over Marine. Yeah, and it uh, it's very interesting here because you know in this moment is when she's seeing. You know, you see that scene where she really takes disgust in seeing them being crucified. On her way to Marine, yeah. Right. 163 yeah. miles. And when she takes it over, what does she do? Well, and, you know, that that's with the quote that we were talking about. Because Barristan saw me, because she, she decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and nail every master to, like, from now on, 163 miles that they did to the slaves and children. And, you know, Barris and Summy kind of counseled her against it. She said, you know, your grace, sometimes it's better to uh, answer injustice with mercy. And she goes, you know, just true Daenerys form, I will answer injustice with justice. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so, it's a another, another kind of point towards, like, hey, you know what? Like, are all, is, is everything as glorious as it seems with Daenerys? Because, like I'm saying, like, there's the underlining tone the whole time. You know, that things are starting to go that way where, you know, if you're casually watching it, I can see you being, oh, she's a champion of the people, she's going to be a great queen and great leader. But, like, if you're not really paying attention to, like, you know, like you said, the devil's in the details, yeah. right? And so if you're, you're kind of really dissecting what her actions were and what she was doing, man, we, we yeah. could have told you the whole time. And that's, like, why these people, you know, you'll have viewers and critics that say, oh, they just came up with this conclusion off the seat of their pants they really didn't i mean she's providing justice for justice which is what she always does in the end and we always knew what she was going to do and um yeah so you know and, and also but as this kind of starts off you know we, we pick up here in episode four uh, you know miss sound is teaching gray worm how to speak the common tongue and uh you know which is going to kind of help him become you know a better more productive member of her Queen's Guard meeting, so things don't be translated. It's great. Uh, Grey Worm, the biggest thing here, though, what he does, and what I was saying, like, you know, is that going to be enough to earn, you know, Marine, right, from the Marine slaves? He disguises himself, goes into the sewers, and dresses as a slave, and brings weapons to the slaves, saying, like, listen, no one's going to give you your freedom. You need to fight for it. And so, uh, basically, he puts a ball in their court, and, you know, you outnumber the, the slaves, outnumber the masters, like, four to one. And uh, so they do the dirty work, they kill the masters, and, and Danny takes over Marine. Yeah, breaker of chains. Yeah, it's, and uh, it's another battle, another victory that she's won, more braids to her hair, and now she's conquered, uh, well, she, I mean, I wouldn't say she conquered Koth, but she escaped Koth with their dragons and got enough gold to buy the ship, you know, in the book it was three ships, in the series it was one ship. She had conquered Astapor, conquered Yukai, now she's, you know, conquered Marine. I mean, she's really starting to become powerhouse. A powerhouse at this point. Like this is when, say you're the Lancers or 
I mean, the Stannis, Stannis, any like, yeah. if you're any like phone that had claim to the throne at anyone, all, anyone, yeah, you're like you you're have to like, start worrying about. Okay, yeah, you're like it's like that's you know that Cinderella basketball team that's actually making a run in March Madness, and you're like, okay, how did they make <laughs> like it through Marquette the first three back rounds? in the day? <laughs> and they're still there. All right, what was it? Florida Gold Coast, man. Yeah, in like 2000, it. what was that? Davidson. There was a couple of And then UF, we took it to him. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's, that's good stuff. Um, well, then, so we kind of move on from here. And then, you know, uh, so we went over, you know, Braun was training. And then Jamie, yeah. Lenny and Tyrell. Uh, um, that's kind of when, oh, Lenny and Marjorie, we already talked about them. We're going into what they were talking about as far as... Um, you know, she makes that important quote. <laughs> Think I was gonna let you marry the beast, right? We find out that she conspired. Uh, you know, with you know, before that, you know, before that cutscenes to her and Marjorie. Uh, um, like Littlefinger, Peter Baelish is on a ship to uh, uh, the Erie with Sansa, and he's explaining. He's not really coming out and saying what he did. He was talking about like his new friends wanted this very badly, and then that's a cutscene to Elena. But one interesting thing that Peter Baelish said, and I think it's amazing, um, he, has, he has got a lot of good quotes that are very, very devious, but do work. This one he said was, Always keep your enemies confused. If they don't know who you are or what you want, they can't know what you plan to do next. And so like that, that's when you realize you know, he's made that alliance with Alana who goes in and talks to Marjorie, you, know, you think I was going to let you marry that beast. So now the question is, like, you always thought Olenna had an okay relationship with Tyrion. We know Tyrion and Peter Baelish, they've had their odds and ends, but, like, where was the agreement that they were going to frame Tyrion for this entire, like, yeah. like, because that's what it was. Like, yeah. they made it really seem like, you know, Tyrion is going to take the fall for this. Where did that, yeah, I, I'm curious to know where that decision came from that, hey, he's the one that's going to take the fall. Right. Yeah. Um... I mean, do you think some of them actually thought he did it? I mean, I think some of them actually thought he did it, but I think Tywin set it up knowing he didn't do it. Well, I don't think Tywin had any knowledge of Like, he knows that he was poisoned, but not, and Tywin didn't have any knowledge of, of uh, who did what. Because, like, that's why... Oh, no, I, I think remember he that, that Tyrion didn't do it. Though. Well, yeah, he for sure knew yeah. Tyrion didn't do yeah. it. But it was, like, a good way to kill two birds in one stone. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like, I'm going to be able to, like, put uh, a king that I can control as the new successor here. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I can get rid of Tyrion, too. It was, it was a like, uh, best-of-both-worlds scenario for Tywin. So he think he gave a, sh- he gave a shit, like, who right, killed yeah. Joffrey? He didn't care. He didn't care. <laughs> like, at yeah. all. He, like, he didn't care about his, his <laughs> quote-unquote grandson, right? So, <laughs> um, he only cares about the heir. <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. And then also, this is when uh, Locke, he arrives at, you know, so we talk about, he arrives at the Locke. Night's Watch... Um, uh, he meets Jon Snow. He shows that he's a capable fighter, which is something that the Night's Watch lacks. And so he kind of immediately earns Jon Snow's respect. Because remember, he had that like battle on the spar field where he like knocked that guy out. He's like that guy had right, yeah. he knocked him out. He's like, you could have gone easier on him. And he's like, well, he wouldn't have learned anything if I did. Right. So like, yeah. Yeah, he kind of earned Jon's respect <laughs> there a little bit. And you know, one thing I think we need to mention too is when Olena was talking to Marjorie. To your point about, like, you think I'll let you marry that beast. She was talking about how she really influenced her. She was uh, betrothed to somebody, and how she accidentally slipped in the man's room that she wanted to be with, and uh, absentmindedly 
uh, gave him a very great night. And yeah. how he that guy never ended up making it down the steps to propose to the other girl that she, he was supposed to marry. And all he wanted was what she had given him the night before. And she's like, you know, I was good, I was very good, but Marjorie, you're even better. So you need to get yeah. you need to get your claws into Tommen before Cersei does. You need to, you know, mm-hmm. turn to your side. Right. And so that's when Marjorie goes and visits Tommen in his <laughs> late at night secret, like, ooh, that little that little uh, rendezvous was it was kinda steamy for a little boy who's thirteen probably just experienced like, doesn't big even know what beauty is yet. Big dirty. Right? Yeah. So he, she like kinda gets all close and like the dirty you know, just really uh really like honestly seduction at its finest. Like didn't Marjorie Tyrell, like whoever like the, the actress who played her, had those seductive eyes and she really did a great job. It's very like it was interesting. Here's a good point though, right? So of course you know, it goes all into, like, she's always just wanted to be the queen. That's what she's always wanted to be. Yeah. Going in from a show perspective, could you imagine being the director and trying to convince someone, hey, you really need to get in the role with this, because this actor is a child, and I need you to seduce them. <laughs> right. Seriously. That's, That's exactly like, it. And literally. literally. I mean, at the end of the day, you, if you're good at what you do, you do what you have to do. And I guess it's more acceptable for women. Well, to on top of that, like, like she didn't child. like do anything either. Like, I mean, she didn't like kiss him or like you know Later take on. advantage of him <laughs> in that in that time frame. Like, all she did was like make a lot of references to like what they could be doing, right. and like made him like made him want it without realizing like she was the one making him want it. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, there's like there's a line between you know seduction and actually like, taking action. So you know you can you know mm-hmm. building up the anticipation, but without really crossing the line. But yeah, I mean you know, and it's I feel like it's definitely more acceptable for a woman to be on a yeah. You know what I mean? Which we won't go there. But could you just imagine that if you were a DB Wise or Benninghoff and, and you're you had like, like, oh, this is what I well need think about it. We almost kind of did. I mean, it wasn't as egregious. But Peter Baelish kissing Sansa late, a little bit later in the season. Yeah, or Podrick Payne. Like, uh... <laughs> Podrick, when he was really 12, man. But... He's getting his play on. <laughs> he, yeah, he was, like, in his 40s, and, you know, she was... She was 13. Sansa was 13. Because yeah, Brienne was so, surfing yeah. for a girl who was, yeah. was 3 and 10. Like, in the books, it, like, uh, it was characterized as 3 and 10. which just 13, so... I mean, that's pretty bad. You know, I think I think Tommen was like eight or something like that. Like in a, yeah, that was like, bad. So dude. she was only like she eight was only sixteen. Old. Marjorie was so that's an eight year difference between forty five and thirteen. That's Half a way bigger. That's someone in the second grade. A gr- <laughs> think about Baelish being forty five and Sansa thirteen. Yeah, okay. like that's a way bigger like age difference. So yeah, um, yeah, and then also this is the, the, the kind of true to the name of the episode, Oathkeeper. Jamie, you know, summons Brienne. And he actually gives her this Valyrian steel sword, they want this one-of-a-kind sword that his father you know, forged from Ned Stark's blade. He said, you know, this was Ned's, this is forged from Ned Stark's sword, I want you to use it to protect Ned Stark's mm-hmm. daughter. So you're starting to see Jaime, you know, his arc kind of changed from, you know, who, what kind of scoundrel uh, person he was in the very first season to coming around with a conscious and... You know, wanting to do, starting to want to do the right thing a little bit more. And not only does he give her the sword, he also remakes her armor and sends her on the mission to find and protect Sansa. So I think we start to really start to see that the 
the kinder side of Jamie because of all that he's he's kind of gone through and right. realizing that like listen like some of the stuff my family does is kind of fucked up. <laughs> so, here's a quick question, real okay? Quick, just since we're on this topic of Valyrian steel, mm-hmm. do you think the Lannisters were thinking, oh, this is just a really nice sword? Or do you think they had any idea of the significance of it? With the whites and the anti gods and the uh, yeah no they had no no because nobody knew Valyrian steel killed White Walkers like that wasn't like you know you didn't know that until Jon Snow yeah know, killed the first one with his mm-hmm. Valyrian sword so no I think they knew the significance of how valuable Valyrian steel was because Tywin goes into like a quick little monologue about how there was only three smiths like left yeah. that, that can forge a Valyrian right. steel sword and one came at his like beckoning like as his guest to make this one so. They know how rare it is and how valuable it is, and he's always, you know, said Tywin's always wanted the Valyrian sword in the family. Now I've got two, you know, the one that they gave to Joffrey as a wedding gift, and the one Jamie Lannister has. But he, you know, that's, I mean, think about that. How much you've always, you know, you were known as an elite swordsman. How much the Valyrian steel, that kind of value and that kind of craftsmanship, how much that must have meant to him. And he just gave it away. Didn't sell it, didn't do anything. He gave it to Brienne and said, listen, I need you to use this to protect Sansa. It's the right thing to do. That's how much his character arc had developed by that point. Yeah, which, why is it Valyrian steel that's, like, their weakness? Like, we know Dragonfire and all that stuff. So Dragonfire, Obsidian for, like, the, um, uh, you know, they call it Dragonglass, but Obsidian. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe, maybe because Valyrian steel has to be heated to a certain degree of temperature before it can, you know... Be, you know, I'm not. I'm not really entirely sure. Uh, it's supposed to be one of the hardest steels there is, sharpest for sure. I don't know why they, they chose that. Like, I don't know if there's any protective quality of it. Um, and I guess dragon glass technically because it's heated by like dragons. Right. So right. I don't know if like, you've got to put like a like fire to a certain temperature to melt the sword and like you know fold it to become a Valyrian steel sword. Um, yeah, you guys know, let us know. Yeah, that's a great that's question. Um, cool. Also, you know, now that we're talking about Valyrian Steel Swords and we're talking about Jon Snow, he kills like a, a wildling with, uh, not wildling, I'm sorry, a white walker with the um, long claw, which is what uh, yeah. Gior Mormont gave him. Um, he puts a band of brothers together to kill the mutineers. And, you know, while, like, he, because, like, what, what Alistair, like, Jano Slint basically said to Thorne, Listen, like you might have to end up taking orders from Jon Snow one day because they don't like you here, and Maester Aemon's going to insist on having a choosing. So what you should do is you should go ahead and let him go to try to kill me and yours and have yeah. them finish him off. And so Alistair Thorne comes up with him, and he's like, listen... I'll sanction your trip beyond the wall to go kill the mutineers, but I'm not going to force anybody to go with you, only people who volunteer. Right. So basically, he could have like gotten zero volunteers and gone by himself and got like killed. Right, right. now, that was what Alistair Thorne wanted, but the, like, he spoke eloquently, you know, he was passionate about it, so he got, you know, he got Gren, he got Pip, he got uh, Ed, um, uh, Tollett, he got... Um, Lock as well. He's like, he's like, I can't yeah. let recruits yeah. above the wall. He's like, I'll say my vows. Like, that's how sleazy. Like, Lock was like, I don't give a shit. I'll make, I'll make a vow <laughs> and I'll, I'll break it anyways. But so, yeah. And, and while this is going on and they're putting that together, we kind of get a cutscene too. You know, what's going on with the Mutineers at Craster Keep? Carl's kind of running the show there, uh, talking about how Sick great he was. Bastard. Like, yeah, like <laughs> drinking out of the skull. Drinking out. He's like, yeah, what's that, uh, Lord Commander? You want us to fuck them till they die? 
So, okay. Fuck them until they're dead. Yeah, right? That's right. That's sick. Right, so... It was, was like a rape orgy fest. It was, it was so disgusting. strange. And, uh, like, the last boy of Craster was born, and, Fuck like, they give them, dead. give them to the White Walkers, man. right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and then while they're out there, you know, they, like, they don't, they see, so Bran, Mira, Jojen, and Hodor, they see the Night's Watch there, they think it's the Night's Watch, and then, um, Mira sees, like, it, how, like, it really is, like, she's like, no, wait, something's wrong here, and she's like, like, we gotta get out of here, she turns around and she gets whopped. Um, they knock her out, they take them prisoner. <laughs> I'm laughing because I wrote down a notice that he looks like a ghoul or something. Who, Carl? Like, a Carl, yeah, yeah. He looks like a gargoyle or Did something. Did he look, it, it was like really one strange. of the monkeys in the jungle or something. I don't know. Was, he's, <laughs> I was a legend in Jedi. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah. they, they, they capture, they capture Bran, they, and he's, it was funny because he said, he's like, I thought this was going to be another boring day because like, they, they tore, they're about to kill the other two, Jojen and, and Mira, and they, they don't tell him who they are, and so Bran's like, I'm Brandon Stark of Winterfell, and Rast is like, that's Jon Snow's brother. And yeah. I was like, oh, and I what, thought this was going to be another boring says, day. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he actually says here, uh, he... Remember, he said I was a fucking legend back in the day. Fucking legend in Janelli. Like, what did he even do? Like, he what did he do? He, he was a cutthroat. So he was a cutthroat. He was hired to like, like, basically kill, kill people. people. Yeah. But not quite like a cell sword. Like, it's just like kind of like an alley, like gutter alley rat. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I could, yeah. So, um, and then it kind of ends. And this is one thing that you know, when we do our final wrap up summary in a couple weeks' time, I'm gonna bring up again. But this whole episode ends with the Night King touching the baby that they gave to them as an offering and how the baby's eyes turned blue, but it was still alive. Like, what was the significance of that? Because we never found out what they did with all these babies that Craster, the boys that Craster was sending off to this mm -hmm. Night King. Like, what was the reason behind it? Why would you end an episode, you know, making us look at that? Like, like not, nothing ever came from that. So I'm upset about that. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the many things that kind of upset me. Um, what did you think? Uh, yeah, it upset me too, because on top of that, what you know, the Night King, like we've always discussed here, he doesn't actually exist in the books. Yes. They just call him yet. We don't so, know. Like, could, which my theory is, he could be the one that they refer to as the anti-god, uh, which is the opposite of Lord of Light. or The Lord of Darkness. Yeah, uh, Lord of Darkness. Um, but... As far as the show goes, it's really kind of annoying in a way, because it's the first time you actually see the Night King, and as detailed as this show is, you would think the reason he's holding those babies is, like, something significant. Like, I mean, I guess you can go and say, well, I guess it was just to show that he turns people into White Walkers, but otherwise, like, there's really no... It's like you think there's so much significance there. Just like later we find out, you know, Nothing ever came history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so that's kind of how that episode ends. Episode 5 starts off with, you know, Danny being advised that you and Kai and Astapor reverted to their old ways. Like they've, you know, they, they took over uh, since she wasn't there to rule. Um, right. So she decides instead, like this is like a big decision because, you know, she, like she told Jor, you'd constantly me. Uh, caution once, so I'm going to listen to you again. I'm not going to go to Westeros. I'm going to stay in Ruin in Marine because if yeah. I can't 
you know, control three large cities, how can I be a queen of seven kingdoms? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's how that kind of yeah. starts off. Hey, quick question. Yeah. yeah. Remember when, speaking back of that baby real quick, when they gave him to the Night King, well, the Night King picked him up, and they sacrificed it. Remember all those women that were like whores or something, or being raped? They were like all chanting, give them to the gods, give them to the gods. Were they like oracles, or what was like, did you know? No, those that? were Craster's daughters. <laughs> like, they just were and They weird. were just, yeah, like, they, that's what, like, that's you know, because it kept them safe. Because that's what happened, like, the White Walkers stayed away from Craster's, Thing because they kept giving him babies, yeah, uh, baby boys, yeah. So well, I think <laughs> I'm getting safe. Dead. So that's sick, man. Anyways, okay, yeah. back to uh, yeah, back to it. I mean, yeah. you know, Sansa arrives in the Vale with uh, with Peter Baelish. Um, I think because under the uh, guise of her being Elaine, which is you know Peter's niece or whatever, not really uh, a real person, but she doesn't, she can't be Sansa. She's told to put her hood up. Um, also, ooh, this is a good thing, too, I wanted to talk about. Yep. You know, like, how we talked about the Lannisters being one of the richest families in Westeros, and how they always pay their debts. Tywin, actually, when Cersei's in there talking to him, he tells her they're broke. Their mines yeah. ran dry three years That's ago. That's a big one. And that they, they owe the Iron Bank a tremendous amount of money. And then Cersei's, like, trying to press him, like, well, how much? He's like, a tremendous amount. They're, they're millions in debt. Like, and they're, that's why they need the Tyrells so bad, because the Tyrells, way outside the Lancers, were the second richest family. But they really are the richest family because the Lancers have no money of their own. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's so true. Yeah, they, they really aren't. It's just all a farce. That's so time. crazy. So that's funny how, like, power is of perception. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so it, it's really, really interesting. Right. And, and then um, to kind of go back to, like, the Vale and the Eerie, Liza Aaron, she's been off her rocker forever, right? So we, since we first met her in season one with, like, her eight-year-old boy still eating from her titties, like, you know, <laughs> like Robin oh Aaron, gosh. like, she's still, like, you know, still breastfeeding this kid at eight years old. Uh, she's always been a little off, right? So she kind of goes crazy, asks, like, why Sans, like, why he's taking such an interest in her, like, grabs her by, like, the wrist, like, bruises her, like, screams, like, why, why is he interested in you? Does he love you? Like, have you had sex with Peter? Like, she's, like, really, like, yeah. pressing her on this stuff, and, um, you know, Sansa's like, getting terrified at this point, and, like, you kind of feel bad, because nothing ever grows right for this poor girl. She goes to King's Landing, thinks she's going to marry the king, become queen, nice, like, romance thing, and then they kill her dad, they beat her, you know, they, they marry her to the imp, then yeah. she gets escapes, and then she's got her crazy aunt, like, attacking her, like, man, Sansa, <laughs> and then obviously it happens to Sansa later, too. Like, she, and she goes through the ringer, brother. Yeah. She goes then, through the ringer. Yeah, and keep in mind, you know, Liza at the time was really, you know, as she's questioning her, and she thinks for a minute that Sansa's right and Baelish has no intentions, she, like, kind of, like, almost eases her over. Yeah, plays it off. Yeah. Like, oh, sweet child, no one's going to hurt you. Like, yeah. dude, you're just going to act like you didn't just pull, like, a, like, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde deal on her? Like, what are we doing here? Oh, yeah. And, like, and she even says, uh, pretty soon you'll be the Lady of the Vale. Yeah, you'll marry Rob and you'll be the Lady of the Vale. Yeah. So, so it's, <laughs> um, she's, she's off her rocker, man. Off her rocker, man. Uh, which we skipped over just a couple of things that I'll touch on real quick. Uh, remember there is a moment where Bran kind of wargs into the wolf, and then you kind of um, notice Ghost. Remember Ghost was taken out by a Rask. Rask, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rask. Yeah. Um, well, then, you know, there was that moment where you do see uh, Weirwood Tree. 
uh, when Bran was, if we kind of skip back just a minute. Uh, remember when you like wards and you see the werewood tree after the White Walkers? Yes, the baby? Um, that was in episode two. Way back there. That was in episode two, yeah. So the, that's, like I said, like he warged into the, uh, uh, we did this the last episode last week. We were talking about him uh, warging for too long into the wolf's body and the dangers of that. And, and yeah, after yeah, that, yeah. he had the, the, the green, we, we talked about he had the green dream of the weirwood yeah. well, we tomb, the and he sees the weirwood yeah. tree. So uh, that was that was a while. That was a while. That was a that was a way back. That was an episode. Co- back. A couple episodes back. <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of left field again. Anyways, I just saw it in my notes real quick. So I'll just give a, a quick glimpse of that real quick. Well, I mean, I think a good thing that you bring up too about because I know what people don't, I want people to understand about the weirwood trees is that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you no, you go see it. No, so well, the weirwood trees is like they are. Where you worship the old gods, the gods of the first men. You know, how people say in the show, you know, I, I swear by the old gods and new. Well, the old gods, so there, there's what's called a god's wood, meaning there's trees around, but in the center of the heart of the god's wood is a weirwood tree, which is the tree that you see that has like the face carved into it. Right. And that's where they do their praying and, and worshiping at. So... You know, people get confused thinking the godswood is that tree. The godswood is the entire area. The weirwood is the actual tree with the face on it. And so there was one at Winterfell, and there there's actually one in King's Landing. And then the the Three Eyed Raven came to him a couple episodes back to what you were bringing yeah. up. Yeah, uh, and that's the only reason I mentioned that. And uh, if I'm right, because <clears throat> what I wrote down here, the children of the forest, uh, they were thought to have carved those faces into the trees, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, when they were doing, like, their worshipping. Um, but, yeah, they've... The gods would, uh, from what I was looking up, they've been around for, it says, 10,000 years. I guess thousands of years, I would say, yeah. uh, in the woods. So, I just... I well, they they think that. that Children of the Forest no longer exist. Remember, like, oh, man, I think maybe this was season two, when yeah. Mr. Lewin... Was talking about how the children, you know, all like when Bran was trying to tell him that, you know, he his dreams come true, and he's like, well, the children of the forest may have existed one at one time, but you know, they're no longer around. Yeah. So, it's it's interesting. Um, and uh, just relating to the Night King, because who we wind up seeing later on. Anyways, uh, Arya, uh, she kind of just gets into this quick little conversation with the Hound, and I just thought this was really funny, <laughs> where she's like naming off her list, right, and. She goes through them and she goes, you know, Joffrey, <laughs> Cersei, Walter Frey, Man Krant, uh, Tyler Lannister, Wedwoman, <laughs> Big Dindorian, Never Rosemere, Iliad Payne, and Mountain. And, you know, it was basically just random. going on her whole list, yeah. And the hound, he goes, shut the fuck up, basically. Are you going to name everyone in the. <laughs> he says, he's like, the like, name of every fucking person in Westeros? <laughs> what would you do? Uh, but it just goes to show, like, this is when. Like, I'm not done my list. List of what? Every fucking person in Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be fucking realistic. And, like, that's what's so great about the Hound, is he's very realistic, almost just like he's you cynical. saying. I think he's cynical. cynical. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. Like, uh, um... No, I like that word. Talking, talking about the Hound now, too, that's when, like, you know, this is around the same time he gives her that lesson about having an armor and a big fucking sword, because mm-hmm. he's, like, he, like, um, he wakes up and she's not there after, like, he, like, goes, she goes through her list and that's how she falls asleep. He, like, he, like, Freaks out. He's like, girl, girl. And then she find he finds her like 
um, doing her like water dancing down by the, the river. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm, I'm practicing. It's like, for what? <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> for what? He's, he's, he's like, carry a big sword. She's like, oh, I was trained by the greatest swordsman that ever lived. C.O. Pharrell, first sword of Bravos. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, where is he now? He's like, is, your, is this greatest swordsman dead? He's, he's like, yes. He's like, well, he wasn't that great, apparently. He's like, he only had a stick. He's like, the greatest swordsman didn't have a sword. <laughs> the greatest swordsman ever lived never had a sword. And uh, he's like, well, well who? Like, well, how did he die? He's like, he was killed by Marin Tran. He's like, Marin Tran? Marin fucking Tran? I know a horse that could kill Marin Tran. <laughs> Which is funny, though. Oh, oh, no, it's great. Because it's funny because you mentioned that. Because, you know, Marin Tran, like, he taught her, you know, almost like they kind of call him the dancing. No, Asira Pharrell. No, Marin, Sir. Marin Tran is, like, the guy who killed Asira Pharrell. He, he's the one that beat Sansa with his sword oh, okay, in yeah. the throne room. So, Cyril Pharrell is Yeah, Cyril Pharrell is, yeah. is the dancing master. Yeah, yeah. Cyril Pharrell, that she learned from him, because she kind of gets that whole, you know, kind of um, pick-your-poison kind of style, almost like how um, Oberon has, like, the Princess Dorn, where he fights with intellectuality, but then she's getting the same side as... Um, you know, the hound is showing her but like just great, yeah, it takes the win. So almost I like your point there, I'm gonna expand on it. More like Sierra Pharrell was more technical finesse. Hound big, brawn, strong, like yeah. like like so she's she she is getting like, you know, over the time getting the best of both worlds and even the best of the third world when we go at the very end, like where she ends up en ending up right. in Bravos we'll talk about later on. So, you know, she's learned, like, the technicalities of finesse of movement. She's learned about, like, the, just the brute right. strength and brawn and will to live and, and survive. <laughs> and you, you see what she learns later on and how uh, she becomes basically the ultimate assassin. Yeah, symbolism um, of three. Big uh, stretch. <laughs> yeah. No, and then, you know... Think uh, about it. Like, you that, have Ciro Pharrell, and you have the Hound, and then in the middle, you have Arya. That learned from both of them. That's three. Yeah, uh, she. I think she's. she also learned from... Uh, her, her number one, her like brother Jon Snow, who gave her the sword to begin with. You know, she was practicing with the archery in the very, very beginning of Winterfell. So, like, so like, I, guess I, I would you're... say, I would buy, I, when I say the symbolism of three, like the three real techniques, though, would be more closely to what you're referring to. Killed her, right? With, <laughs> with, uh, with the techniques being, you know, the technicality, like the footwork, mm -hmm. the finesse, and the balance, right. and then also like the brawn and brute strength, and then. You know, we'll, you know, I'll say just faceless men for you know. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, but we'll so like those those story. three like techniques, I can see that more being like the symbolism going from there. But yeah. kind of jump back into where we were. Cool. Now that we talked about like the weirwood tree and kind of you know where we're at with them, uh, the the Night's Watch arrives at Craster's Keep. Locke actually finds where Bran and Recon. No, I'm sorry, Recon's gone by this point. Bran and Jojen and Mira and Hodor are. And remember, Locke is the one that was sent by Roose Bolton to uh, to capture Brandon Recon so they can hold him hostages at Dreadfort so they'll have the keys to the north because those because they thought you know they were dead and, and Roose Bolton is now the warden of the north and he wants no challengers from the northern northern houses who would most likely flock to House Stark if one of those two were to uh, grow up you know and become who they're supposed to be. So uh, Locke tries to kidnap them. And he succeeds to a certain extent. He gets him outside of Crash's Keep, but then Bran wargs into Hordor's mind again, and <laughs> Hordor picks him up and like snaps his neck like one-handed, just like a 
giant beast. Which we'll talk about like how screwed up they are. Like Hodor, like he's almost looked at as you know he's special. the simpleton. Right, the simpleton, simpleton is they call him. Yeah. And they were trying to stick him with the sticks. Uh, that was so there. amazing. It it was was like, like, what did Rath say? If I was your size, I'd be king of the fucking world. <laughs> yeah. And poor Hordor, he's like a child in a child's mind. He's like, why am I getting beat with sticks? No, so stop. Like, dude, that was so sad. Yeah. Like, I was like, I, I can't wait for all you guys to die. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, speaking of that, dirty, Night's Watch comes dirty. in and, yeah. and wipes him up and had that really fun uh, little battle with uh, Carl and Jon Snow. But thing is, is like they're fighting in very, very close quarters, and we know that it's a, like a longsword is not a good weapon for close quarters, like Carl's two knives that he has. So really, Jon Snow's losing that fight and would have died if it wasn't for that woman who stabbed Carl in the back. Yeah. And when Carl turned to like fight her, like that's when Jon Snow put the sword through the back of his head. And how cool was that? Like like a visual of like the like, sword going all the way through, and you see it coming out of his mouth. Like yeah. that was pretty cool. Which let's talk about this: how sick he really was. Remember, he like actually tied up Jojen's sister. Oh yeah, he's like gonna rape because he, he's like taunting Jojen too. He's like, oh, you see the future? Have you seen what I'm gonna do to your sister? Like like yeah. like just being a taunt, and then. Jojen's class back is like, nah, no, but I saw your body burn tonight. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, you're going to die like tonight. Exactly, yeah. I wrote it down how sick he was. Remember he says, you like it rough, don't you? Yeah, you my, like mom, he's like, my mom had curls you. like that. Like, talking about her hair. Like, nah, yeah, that guy was like, nah, the worst of the worst, man. And, you know, that's really kind of how the, that episode ends. Episode 5, where they, they kill Carl, they burn Craster's Keep, they lose a couple um, of the Night's Watch. And I like what you said, though, how you said, you know, he said, I saw your body burn and I saw snowfall. Yeah, Jon Snow. <laughs> Think about that, right? Think about that for a minute. I'm not saying it is, because this is a bit of a stretch. Could be. And it's a fan theory, but think about it. I saw your body burn and I saw snowfall. Mm -hmm. So think about what happens in the end. Think about King's Landing and then how Jon actually ends up. Like, think about it. It's not exactly... See, is that foreshadowing? Like, we don't want to... I, I, think it, I think it's foreshadowing, but not to the extent that you're throwing it out to. Because when you hear about that, what's John's last name? John Snow. Well, we know what so, his like, real last name is. Well, well, okay, but like at that time, before yeah. like that big reveal or whatever. So, you know, I saw the snow fall. Like, you know, I saw your body burn and snow fall and your body burn. So, like, you know, to me, that meant, like... Like, because you know how uh, the green dreams don't tell you exactly what's going to happen. It's kind of like a metaphor. Yeah. Remember when Bran said, like, the sea came to Winterfell, which really was a, um, a metaphor for yeah. Ironborn coming and taking over Winterfell? Kind of like that. So, like, Snowfall. To me, that right. Jon Snow came in and fucked him up. Yeah. So, that, that was my, like, I think that was the foreshadow. was like, hey, like, they're, they're, like he predicted Jon Snow which, coming. Yeah. Which, and that might be a stretch, too, but that's what... I got out of it. But. Can we talk about that fight, by the way? That fight was badass. I felt like it was like Anakin against Count Dooku with the two knives and then the sword kind of thing. It was a badass fight. It wasn't, one of, my, it wasn't fight one of my favorites. That was cool. Like, that was pretty sick, though. Because, um, like. Remember? And then. I mean, it was just at that moment because everyone's getting all excited for what you think, you know, Battle of Castle Black. That's about to come. But you're not really thinking about Craster's Keep and all that stuff. And it was just kind of like you didn't think Carl, like, could really hold his own. I mean, and then look. And then, by the way, so, like, that was just one of his, like, daughters that randomly decided to help, like, well, stab him. It was, like, a, was, it was a girl. Reason? Yeah, because, like, 
she was being beaten and raped for the past like three months. I, I mean, would have been there. Sense, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was one of the people like. Well, like, why didn't the other ones help out? They because she was because like because remember like if you remember like they were in the ten that was the one that was on Carl's lap. So like everyone had, had somebody. Yeah, that's right. And like so basically she was like kind of stuck near him and you know so that's that yeah. she saw an opportunity and she took it and it paid off. Um, as far as the fight itself went, it was, I, I thought it was underwhelming. Just because, like, it was close quarters, like, it, it was like a cheap fight type, you know, Carl spitting in John's face, like, it's close quarters, you can't really, you know, fight well in that yeah. way, so just two knives, I don't know, it was I mean, it favorites. reminded me, though, like, if he fought, like, Braun, like, what would happen, because Braun just did, like, whatever yeah, he wanted, crazy, right? Yeah. right? Spit in his face, just like you said. The um, survivor, man, the cutthroats, man. It was two knives versus one sword. Yeah. <laughs> that was insane. That was reminding me of fighting close quarters. Can't fight in close quarters yeah. with a sword, man. Um, but yeah, that's how that kind of ended. And then to kind of take us into episode six. Like um, a video game boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah, next level, yeah, right? But uh, episode six, Stannis and Davos, they sell the Bravos to try to get uh, funding from the Iron Bank. And this is where you really see uh, what Davos is really worth. Uh, because he's always had this ability to talk, like sense, like almost like a silver tongue. He's able to, you know, make sense and make you almost change your mind to to see his way. Because the Iron Bank was not going to give Stannis the money. They talked. They listed all the reasons on why it was a bad investment for them. They didn't have the ships. They didn't have the men. They didn't have X, Y, and Z. And they said, you know, we're not going to give you the money. And then Sir Davos comes in with this full like monologue of, you know. Stannis, like, Stannis yeah. pays back his debts, like, look at my hand, he took off my knuckles, it was, you know, he's, he's a just king, Tyrone Lannister, he's, you know, in his 60s, how long is he going to live, Stannis is in his prime, you know, like, we've got evidence that they, these children that are born out of incest, so who's the real power in, in, in Westeros right now, like, base comes out with all these amazing points, and the Iron Bank ends up caving, caving and funding him, so really showing the worth that he has to Stannis' cause, and his skill set kind of going later as a moderator when, you know, I won't give up what happens, but when Davos kind of um, more or less helps Jon Snow later on. So, yeah. Um, Which, uh, then we kind of get into one of the most badass Yes! Things. It's the yeah. time! It's the time! <laughs> yeah, so Yara, she sells the judge for it, and they, they try to... They try to free have Theon. bigger balls than he ever did. Yeah. This is, so, <laughs> this is this great. Is, Chase loves Ramsey, man. So, yeah, they, they challenge up for it. Ramsey! <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, try to, they try to free Theon, and they you know, like, find him in the kennels with the dogs, which, you know, it's already disrespectful as it is. Like, he's, he's like, thought of as, like, low as of the dogs. He's left in a kennel. Because, like, she goes, oh, God, take me to the dungeons. He's like, he's not in the dungeons. He's in the kennels. That <laughs> <laughs> was messed up. And so, Dude, and then he, he broke him so psychologically at this point that, like, he thought that she was, like, like almost like how the girls seduced him and that he was going to come. He's like, she's like, no, you're not real. You're not yeah. real. Like, just, like, yeah, you're thinking that's another trick from him. You almost started thinking, like, wouldn't it be funny if then Theon, also known as Reek at this point, because he smells, started barking like a dog as he got back in the kennels. Like, he he, he kind of, in a way, acted like a dog. He bit her hand and ran yeah. back in the cage. It was like, he was like, a reek. It was, a reek. It was almost like a Scooby-Doo. I'm reek. I'm reek. Yeah, it's so funny. He really, he really kind of felt like a dog at that point. And then remember he said, like, after he went back in there, 
Which, this is after you get that badass scene mm. where Ramsey comes out with a two the two ass blood all over his, like, torso. Just smashing. Because, like, I mean, he, yeah, he was, like, he was, like, enjoying, like, a nice, like, was, evening with, with uh, Miranda. Miranda. Had a nice little uh, intercourse there, and then... Like, he just comes out with, like, his shirt off, and, like, you see him just bust in. He's got his two knives. This is terrible. And he's got... He comes and he's like, well, this is turning into a lovely evening. Such <laughs> like, a bad... What and a like, psycho, took man. On, man. <laughs> and then he's like... <laughs> that's when you talk about, like, the, the line that Yara... Or, uh, he said, he's like, man, you've got balls. Bigger balls. Bigger balls than he ever had, but with those big balls... And then how remember, fast can he run? Just oh. like how fast can he run? And he unlocks it, the dog's cage. It's literally just like the Joker. Like, and he wasn't like the biggest or the baddest, but he like didn't care. Almost like in the Dark Knight when he had like the gun in the bank. <laughs> he was like, and then he got all the money. He was like, "You do this again, I'll feed you to the pooches." Because I don't even care. <laughs> like it was just one of those things. Or when he was like. Hey, me do it, do it, do it. I want you to do it, to do it, to do it, to do it. But he just didn't care. He's just a psycho. Like a psychopath. So, yeah, he he sets the dogs out on on the Ironborn and chases them back. And I thought it was really important that when Yara gets back to her, she was like, "What about your brother?" And he's like, "He's dead." Yeah. You know, he's like, "Wasn't he? yeah, like like he's so worthless. Like he's he's done. Like that was." He's like, "I'm reek. I'm reek." <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then also, you know, talking about you know big things that are happening on on the other side. Tywin holds a council meeting and, and, and told everybody that Danny took Marine, and now they've really got to start taking her seriously. Yeah. And one last it's thing, because what do you say? He's what do you say? He said it's only a matter of time before she turns her eyes to Westeros. Yes. So remember, because the reason why I think this is important, I want to touch on it, is because when Joffrey was still alive and he was complaining that he wasn't like, getting um, the information of what was happening in the small council, mm-hmm. he's like, well, like Tywin almost brushed off the fact that Daenerys had dragons. He's like, the last time the dragons were yeah. here, their skulls were the size of cats. Right. So, like, it kind of tells you, like, how serious they're taking it, because, like, now Tywin's, like, a little bit worried that he's got to, like, hey, like, yeah. you know, she over, like, she's taking you guys as support and Marine, so she's going to turn out of Westeros, and, like, we're going to need to be prepared. Yeah. Before we go into the next part, which is a big part. Oh, the trial. Yeah, the <laughs> trial. Uh, I just want to say this on how sick Ramsay is. Remember after... Uh, Yara leaves. Um, oh, yeah, we're not there yet, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right. Well, <laughs> like, you're talking about, I'm talking about what he said. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we'll get there in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, do you want to just go <laughs> into this now? We might as well, because yeah. yeah, we, can, we can skip on the other. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. How sick he is, is he goes, remove your britches. And he, like, takes all his blows <laughs> he off. Make, he, like, makes, like, a um, makes it seem like a reward. He's like, I'm going to give you a reward. He's like, oh, oh, a reward. He actually <laughs> called it, quote, unquote, I'm going to give you a treat. He's like, a like responding to him like he is a dog. Like, he thought of him as a dog. Like, he, if you wanted to put him on a leash, he probably debated getting a leash for him. Right. And walking him around on all fours. That's so crazy. He said, I'm going to give you a bath as your treat. <laughs> and then, like when remove he removed bridges, and he like like smiles to disc, and he saw like like him naked with no dick and no balls, which uh, is kind of like interesting, because you know later, which we'll get into in another episode, remove your clothes, <laughs> remove your clothes. It's, it's, it's coming. Remove it's co- actually it's the next episode, yeah. man. It's the next episode. That was like that remove was so funny because he he he's a gambler. He's a dangerous man. Like we're talking about. Uh, Darion Harris. Now we're not talking about Ramsay, yeah. but we'll, we'll jump there in a yeah. second. But the big thing that happens now is Tyrion's trial begins. So you guys remember, 
the three judges, Mace Tyrell, who's going to vote anywhere that Tywin Lannister does, Tywin Lannister himself, and then Oberyn, um, the Red Viper. So the thing is, is like Tywin thought he was being thorough by recruiting uh, Oberyn to the small council meeting and as a judge. And it almost, in a way, backfires, uh, kind of, I guess, at the, at the end. You know, we'll get there. But, um, I mean, honestly, though, uh, Tommen, uh, jo- he's the exact opposite of Joffrey. I think he would have made a great king yeah. just by what he did, by even taking himself out of the trial. He's like, I can't judge this. Like, I wasn't here at the time. Well, like, it was. here's the thing. I think he was told to do that. I don't think that was his choice. I think that that was 100% Tywin Lannister like convinced him like hey, this is what you're gonna do. Like you're gonna listen to me and you're gonna be a great king. And Tywin's eight year old ass is like, yes, sir. <laughs> Here's a catch then. Okay, so if someone's pulling all the strings to get a good king. Do you think Ramsay would have made a great king? No, he could psychologically manipulate everybody. I mean, <laughs> if he had good intentions. But the thing is, like, not everyone's as easily broken as Theon. I mean, you start to see that, like, you yeah. know, when, like, in season six, well, you know, when we get there, you know, when there's people out there. Which he says uh, to another person, if you think about that, we talk about a lot in here. Remove your clothes. <laughs> think about later on. Um, <laughs> some, he's a messed up person. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, anyways, okay, so, um, anyways, you know. About start, the trial, yeah. Yeah, which is funny, because then we start talking about Sansa here in just a minute in the trial, mm-hmm. because what did they notice that Sansa had on the entire time? Well, they, so, they didn't bring that to the trial evidence about the necklace, but, um, there's a, there's a lot of things that they start pulling and twisting and manipulating. Because remember when Cersei grabbed like that one whore that wasn't uh, Shay, and like and this was at the Battle of Blackwater Bay, and said like I, I've got like you know this person. So Tyrion had to had to make an act. He had to make an act and um, mm-hmm. basically say that uh, hey like I I will I will hurt you for this. The day will come where your happiness will turn to ashes in your mouth and you know the debt was paid and it was me. Yeah. But like, he only said that to keep up the ruse that that was the whore that, um, that uh, they was talking about, right? Yeah. So, uh, so they use that against him in the trial. Maren Trant uses like how he was threatened by Bronn to kill him. <laughs> He's like, you speak again? And like, if he, it's uh, Bronn, if he Mr. Maren speaks again, kill him. See? That was a threat. See the difference? Remember yeah. that? He uses that against him. Um, Varys, uh, use it, you know, they take Varys to the stand, um, he talks about how, uh, when they were talking, when Joffrey brought up the, the death of Robb Stark, how, uh, Tyrion said, just now, well, like, yeah, if you think I'm such a monster, you better be careful, because just now, kings are dropping like flies. Oh, yeah. So, like, they're just, like, twisting everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, it goes to a point where, remember, Jamie comes up to Tywin, and he was even like, this isn't a trial, this is a farce. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the deal that he made yeah and he made a deal with him and so this was like a big thing with Tywin so a lot of people don't realize um, Tywin's goal wasn't just to you know completely bash Tyrion and execute him because he had reasons in this whole line he really wanted to carry on the entire air for the Lannisters so, at the time, Jamie was in the Kingsguard. 
So, you know, he couldn't take up the throne of the heir. Uh, so it technically would go to Tyrion at that point. Yeah. So if Tyrion, you know, if he was executed for his sentencing, that would have, and Jamie remained in the King's Guard, that would mean the Lannister line would be over at that point. Yeah, and on top of that, the other flip side of that, too, oh, I, I don't want to talk about it just yet, because we're going to get there very, very soon, about another way that his bloodline would have ended, too, that Tyrion talks about in the cell right. with Jamie later on. Um, but yeah, no, you're 100% right. And so the deal that that Jamie makes with Tom is like, listen, uh, I, and it was Tywin's playing the whole time, this puppet master, man. So the deal that Jamie makes with him is like, listen, I'll renounce my position as the King's Guard. Your line will live on through me if you let Tyrion live. And Tywin's like, deal. I'll send Tyrion to the, the Night's Watch and you will go take your place in Castle Like He already had in his money. He knew, oh, he, he, he knew what he wanted. Exactly. And he got exactly what he wanted, almost. almost. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, so at that point, because of how bad the trial was going and all these, like, crazy witnesses against Tyrion, before, like, the recess was over, Jamie came out and grabbed Tyrion and said, hey, listen, I've made a deal on your behalf. Just plead for mercy. Trust me. And Tyrion, he was going to do it until they brought the last witness out, which happened to be Shay, the girl he sent off to uh, Pentos, uh, to, to, you know, the girl he was in love with, the girl that his father threatened to execute multiple times over because she was a whore, and he wasn't allowed to bring her to King's Landing in the first place, you know, but they were in love with each other, and he had to, like, unceremoniously kick her out of King's Landing by, you know, being really rude and nasty and cruel, calling her a whore, you know, very, you're not worthy to fit my children and things of that nature just because she wasn't getting it any other way. And now, this is the full circle of that going to bite him in the ass. Mm -hmm. And at this point, Shay actually <coughs> winds up declaring herself as a whore uh, and actually testifies against Tyrion yeah. at this point. And, you know, she makes that statement. She says, I was his whore. And she was actually saying exact quotes where she was like, um, as far as, you well, know, yeah, you're exactly right. I was mine and mine is yours. Um, and I, you know, I let him put himself wherever he wanted to put himself. He could touch me wherever he wanted. Uh, and, you know, it, at this point, it really breaks Tyrion down. Because she's saying all this in a way, like, all those things factually happen, but she's saying it in a way as if she wasn't consensual about it or into it and acting like, like she wasn't all about it herself, making it seem like I only did this because I was paid to do it. When Tyrion, like, that's breaking Tyrion down, because, like, he's like, no, we had this real love, this real connection, now you're going to be, like, you're you're basically yeah. spitting in my face. Like, you're sentencing me to die and, like, lying about the way, like, the, these interactions went. And that broke him. And then when that happens, and he's like, don't, don't. And then, man, did he give a monologue of a lifetime. Oh, it's excellent. So, basically, she was twisting words, almost like a media. Say if you give, you know, and I used to be a journalist, so you just don't want a statement, and they take your exact quotes, but they put the last part in front of the first part. So it sounds like you're meaning something completely else. But Tyrion's statement was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, so Tyrion says, I wish to confess. And Tywin says, okay, so you wish to confess to the murder of Joffrey and his death. And he says, no. no. of that, I'm innocent. That's exactly <laughs> that. Of that, I am innocent. <laughs> Says, I wish to confess to being a dwarf. The crime what of being a dwarf. And Tywin said, you're not on trial for being a dwarf. 
says, well, I've been on trial for that my entire life. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Probably the best monologue I've ever heard. Then he, like, turns over to, like, the, the audience and is like, I wish I was a monster you all want me to be. I wish I had enough poison for the lot of you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I actually have it right here, and you have it almost dead on. Um, he says, and actually, I was, there was another thing that was really funny uh, that I was reading from Tywin, but Tyrion says, I wish I killed Joffrey. I'm on trial for being a dwarf. I demand a trial by combat. I wish I had enough poison for the whole lot of you. I would gladly watch all of you swallow it. Yeah. Um, and that's the... Well, the thing is, like, he doesn't say, uh, uh, I, I declare a trial by combat until, until like, the very, very yeah. last. Like, that's the very, very last thing he says before it cuts the episode, which is awesome because you have that intense stare down between mm -hmm. Tyrion and Tywin because Jamie had just made the deal for him to save his life and Tyrion, like, Shay broke him to the point where he's like, I don't even care. He's like, you want to, you want to, like, go that low, father, to where you're going to bring in the girl that I love to testify against me and twist everything, like, just to, like, put the knife in and twist it on me? Well, here we go. Now I'm going to make you earn it. Then he, he turns and puts his hands and he's like, I demand a trial by combat. And, like, they have, like, a intense stare down, and that's how that episode ends, and it was awesome. It was awesome. And I'll, I'll say this again. He, yeah, just to, so our listeners know, yeah, he said... Um, I wish I was the monster that y'all thought I was. I wish I killed Joffrey and I was the monster y'all thought I was. I wish I had enough poison for the whole lot of you, and I would gladly watch all of you swallow it. That's there, there was a lot more of that, too, so that's not word for word, because like, I remember him also saying, um, well, what did he say? He was like, um... Should we like, call like, it the Yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah, that'd be not, we'll that's not a bad idea. But yeah, I remember yeah. him saying this as well. He's like, I will not give my life for Joffrey's murder. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember him no, saying I that, do. too. Um, but I'll pull that up. But it was absolutely... Peter Dinklage, I will say. He, is he honestly actor. really carried that phenomenal entire series actor. like all the way through. So those high points in Season 8 that we talk about, a lot of that was to, to deal with like his, his um, acting was phenomenal. Which goes throughout the entire series, I would say. Um, even going down to, like, the last season. Like, his, it was absolutely amazing. Um, so I got it pulled up right here, actually. Uh, so let me pull this up. Well, and I'm, well I got it, I got it. I have it right yeah. here. So I'm going to read it, like, word for word. Tyrion says, Father, I wish to confess... And the crowd, like, chatter dies down. He's like, Tywin, he's like, you wish to confess. He's like, he turns to the crowd. I saved you. I saved this city and all your worthless lives. I should have let Stannis kill you all. Then Tywin says, Tyrion, do you wish to confess? And Tyrion says, yes, father. I'm guilty. Guilty. Is that what you want to hear? And Tywin says, you admit to poison the king. He's like, no. Of that, I'm innocent. I am guilty of a far more monstrous crime. I'm guilty of being a dwarf. And Tywin laughs and he says, You're not on trial for being a dwarf. And Tyrion says, Oh, yes, I am. I've been on trial for that my entire life. And Tywin says, Have you nothing to say in your defense? <laughs> Tyrion says, Nothing but this. I did not do it. I did not kill Joffrey, <laughs> do it. but I wish that I had. Watching your vicious bastard die gave me more relief than a thousand lying whores. And he like, I wish I was a monster you think I am. I wish I had enough poison for the whole pack of you. I would gladly give my life to watch you all swallow it. 
And then uh, Sir Marin please escort the prisoner back to his cell. Tyrion yells, I will not give my life for Joffrey's murder, and now I know I'll get no justice here, so I'll let the gods decide my fate. I demand a trial by combat. And this is huge, because what people don't realize, this wasn't just Tyrion getting justice for himself. People forget. Tyrion thought this through, because not only was he getting justice for himself, he knew... Say if he doesn't even win the trial by combat and he dies, Jamie will not take the throne as heir. So it was well, another stick in his rock the throne. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, and take his place over there. Well, yeah. he said he would bet a wife and all that stuff, right? But it goes to show Tywin only cared about his family line, and Tyrion was like, well, this is a win-win for me. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, too, because now kind of how they go into... The, that's how that episode ends. The next one starts with Tyrion and Jamie talking about the trial by combat and how Cersei chooses him now. And, right. and Tyrion's like, you know, why don't you, like, uh, you should be my champion. Mm -hmm. And Jamie's like, well, you know, uh, it, this is where you kind of see the sadness. Like, you know, it's proven my training isn't going well and that I couldn't beat a stable boy with my left hand. And so Tyrion's like, "Where's your sense of adventure? So you're like, even if you know, even if you fall, imagine the look on Father's face when he realizes, you know, the, um, that his whole line of succession fails with one swing of a sword. Because you know, obviously, if Jamie fights the mountain in the mountain, kills Jamie, then Tyrion dies. They're both gone anyway. Yeah, so like, regardless, time and loses yeah. his entire family line. And so it was just so funny how Tyrion's whole entire like the thing is just to spite Tywin at this point. He's like, yeah. "Fuck you, Dad." That's exactly what it was. <laughs> so, yeah, good for Tyrion. Which, this leads us into episode 7. Yeah, that's, that was that's the start of 7, yeah. yeah. Which, let's talk about, you know, Sir Gregor that's chosen as a new guy. Yeah. <laughs> as a new cast. Three actor changes for the mountain. My goodness. The <laughs> like one why? that was in season 1 that had the, uh, like, mini duel at, uh... Uh, against the hound after he had knocked Sir Loras off the horse and tried to, or Sir Loras knocked him off the horse and uh, he ended up cutting the, the horse's head off. So we had that Sir Gregor. We had the season two Sir Gregor and Heron Hall, a different actor again. And then we have a completely, at least like the one in, in season one and the one in season two, it kind of looked a little similar. <laughs> the one <laughs> in season four guy. just looks completely different. But, uh, no, he, he was still a big guy and, you know, he, he did the job for what it was. But my own personal opinion, I liked the mountain from season one because he actually resembled uh, the hound. Now you could yeah, uh, you can make the yeah. case that they could have probably been brothers in real life. They yeah. resembled each other, and I thought that was cool. But you know, yeah, they he, went with what they went with. Oh wait, wait. The reason why? That's right. I didn't go into that. Conflicts. The scheduling conflict because the original mountain. They had a lot of those. Right. Yeah, sure they did. <laughs> Remember the original Dario? Well, we yeah. looked it up. He was trying to do yeah, transporter so transformers or, or yeah, it's transformers or uh, transporter or Tron or something, right? I, it was a transporter refueled. Right. <laughs> it was like one no one cared about. Remember Jason Statham was <laughs> yeah, like yeah, a, it was one Jason Statham. Yeah, was yeah, like yeah. a third one at that point. And then the um, the mountain, like he was in the Hobbit. Yeah, like the, the original. Yeah, like, that's he so, like, yeah, he was in the Hobbit. He, like, so the scheduling conflict. Was, was he the actual? He was like an orc. Or orc? Like like, was he like the main one and was just computer generated, like CGI? Wrong. We're gonna have to watch it. I haven't seen the Hobbit. Right, one. Yeah. And I wasn't really paying attention for his character, so we're gonna have to look it up. But regardless, my own opinion, I liked him the best out of all the mountains. Yeah. Um, 
because you know he just he, he was he's described as a mad dog and that's kind of you know they he like, the new guy did what he did and it was okay it was cool but the new guy kind of seemed like a pit bull more than anything where this other guy you know he could you could see him being the hound's older brother well he seemed like a dumb Frankenstein like he didn't have really any words just well it was so around. funny he's, he he what do you say who am I fighting and starts that doesn't <laughs> matter and he goes he didn't say words like yeah like, man a few no. words. And I will say this about the mountain. In the book, he's described as being so big that he can hold a great a longsword in one hand. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it really didn't sh portray that as much in the show. I mean, they did what they could. And, like, it doesn't even say, like, his real full title is called The Mountain That Rides. Like, you know, so it just kind of shortened it to The Mountain, I guess, in, yeah. in the series, TV series. But, yeah, I mean, uh, now that we're talking about, you know, Sir Gregor and the Hound, you know, this is, you know, it kind of cuts over to the hound putting that dying man out of misery. And the reason I bring this up and it's important is because that's like, you know, where he shows Arya where the heart is. He's like, so he he has this whole thing talking and then Arya talks about how, you know, nothing is either, is neither better nor worse than, than living. Nothing is just nothing. And he's like, all right, you know, well, I would like a swig of water. Like a swig of water. He's like, I wish it was wine. And the hound's like, well, so do I. And as he takes a drink, he puts it down. He shoves the, the thing just to make sure he didn't expect it. Yeah. There's a mercy killing, put him out of his misery. And he shows Arya, well, that's where the heart is, which is going to come into play later on, um, which, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, by the way, we didn't talk about... You know, originally, um, so yeah, Tyrion asked Jamie, but he also asked Bronn. Well, and Bronn kept yet. saying, well, Bronn, Bronn, oh, we're not there yet. No, because what happens before before Bronn tells Tyrion he won't fight the mountain is Jon returns after killing the mutineers at Castle Black, and he tries to convince them to seal the tunnel. That's right. So there's, like, there's yeah. a big, like, there's a sequence and order of events of how they happen. And so after the, um, after like the the hound and like the Arya thing, it goes to Jon Snow returning to kill mutineers. And the reason why this is important is because it really shows that Alistair Thorne doesn't it, he does care. Like the Night's Watch is his life, and but he dis he he hates Jon Snow so much that he will disregard sound advice. Because the thing is, is Jon Snow has the the knowledge of what's happening in the Wilding Army. He's like, dude, they're, they're giants. There's actual giants. And Alistair's like, well, you know, our our doors are made of like four inches of thick coiled steel. And John's like, and it still won't stop them. Like he's like, it's not gonna yeah, stop them. He's yeah. like going through all these things again. It still won't stop them. So he like, so instead of like, you know, having having that out in that whole entire <clears throat> like the little um, room there, like the the the, the dining hall. Basically, the, the people who sit up at the front are like, you know, the Lord Commander, um, the, the Maester at the Night's Watch. You've got like the First Ranger, the First Builder, the First Steward. And so he turns to the First Builder. He's like, you know, he, like, first he, like, he ha of course he has to um, demean John a little bit and say, like, you know, remind me what guild you belong to, uh, Lord Snow. And he says, the Stewards. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the buildings are under the jurisdiction of what guild? And he's like, the Builder. He's like, great. Now, first builder, whatever his name was, would well, you agree with Lord Snow that we should seal the tunnel? And that was a loaded question, because he can't just agree with you know, John Snow if he thought right, that was a yeah, good idea. Yeah. And so the guy was scared. He's like, no. So basically what we learned there is that this guy's willing to put <laughs> the entirety of their thing at risk just to slight John Snow. Yeah. That's so, right. Yeah. But yeah, now going back from that, this is where Braun enters, and he's got his nice new garments on. He's no longer in his like, self-sword, <laughs> like... His cloak or anything like that. He and he starts talking to, to Tyrion about how he's now betrothed to marry Wallace. Right. 
And um, <coughs> remember, Tyrion was trying to recruit recruit Bronn, and it kind of goes into as far as back to when you know we always said Bronn was really in it for himself. I yeah. mean, he, and it goes to show how big the mountain really was because he says. If I'm to fight in the mountain, I'm going to need two castles. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. and, and he starts talking about, like, you know, the Tyrion's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm married to Sansa, who's, like, you know, the lady of the North. Like, you know, I could do this, this, and that if I'm free. He's like, yeah, he's like, if and could and would. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, the North is cold. If you were me, would you like to sleep next to a warm, soft palace <laughs> or freeze in the north? And Which is funny because it reminds me of like what happened with season two with Danny. Remember when she was in Karth? And then they were like, you have no allies. You have none of these things. Yeah. Like it's not happening. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, Bron, what he tells them, <laughs> I hope they hear me sing a song. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Before that, because I think this is another important like line that Bron says. Like, it really kind of talks about the friendship between us. Like, well, he's like, I thought we were friends. And Bronn's like, I, we are friends. But when have I ever asked you to die for me? Right. So, yeah. like, you know, it's like, and he's like, ah, you know, like, why, he's like, why should you be sorry? You know, you're, you're a ruthless cut to only off themselves. And that's what I liked about you in the first place. Um, but and also about the mountain, too, that we need to talk about. Because he's like, because Tyrion kind of almost mocks Bronn to try to get him into it. He's like, does the mountain frighten you so much? Right. He's like, I'd be a damn fool if he didn't. He's freakishly big and freakishly strong and faster than you would expect from a man that size. He's like, maybe I could do that. Maybe yeah. I could dance around until he got tired. He's like, but it's not worth it. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's just that simple. It's not worth the risk on my head to fight a mountain for, for you when you might only, you don't even know what you could get mm -hmm. from me for it. Right. You know? Yeah, No, that's exactly what it is. Uh, then we kind of cut to the whole uh, Danny and Dario. What, what do you do? He swam a mile offshore to bring her flowers. What a move this guy is! I this swam guy, a mile offshore. She goes, I did not tell you to do that. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna swim offshore to bring you all flowers. This guy is swimming a mile offshore. They call, they call him in the previous season. He's like a gambler. He's like, you really are a gambling. <laughs> yeah, you really are a gambler. <laughs> you know then. Comes in with um, Sunday. Well, here's the thing too. Like we, before that, like remember um, what he said. He he goes. Basically, he he wants Daenerys to send him out of Marine and to go kill her enemies. Right. He's like, listen, I I've only been given two talents in this world: uh, fighting and women. And like you know, I, I uh, the wo woman I want has no interest in me. So let me pursue my talents and kill your enemies for you. Yeah. And she's like, well, you know, you're on patrol here. And he's like, she's like, did not you, like, swear your sword to me? He's like, my sword is yours now and forever. And she said, so if I tell you to stay here and patrol the streets? And he's like, well, then I'll stay here and patrol the streets. And he's, she's like, well, I want you to um, use your talents. That's what she said. Well, yeah. use your talents. And he's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he, goes, he goes, so you'll send me away. She goes, no, remove your clothes. Once well, first we pour the wine. You know, the top, I think we right? should pour the wine like she did. She, oh yeah, she, a little she has a little, chalice, she has a little flask. She she pours the wine. Get like, a little remove your clothes, Kevin. How about oh, that, man? Get a little remove your clothes. <laughs> it was so funny. So Danny, symbolism of three. I think we've seen remove your clothes three times in this oh, series. <laughs> think about this that. Is, <laughs> going to out here with his conspiracy. Malice in the chalice, baby. Brother.
Let's get a little remo- remove your clothes. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, God, leave. That one. You know, leave me on my own. Oh no, we're not sure. Remove your clothes. He wants me to remove your clothes. Okay, fine. Malice in the chalice. <laughs> do it, do it, Malice in the chalice. Cheers to that. I like my clothes on. Yeah, I like <laughs> my clothes for you, Josh. <laughs> I, I, I prefer yeah. my clothes on, my brother. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, so he sweet-talked his way into Danny's pants, man. And then, yeah, man, she, and like, then hopped dude, out of the tub and stuff. And, like, <laughs> what did he... He threw it in George's <laughs> face, too. In the club, and she shakes Because you guys remember... <laughs> I don't know what he's singing or dancing. Or I'm, I'm just gonna go past that for a second. <laughs> but you remember Very um, Fifty Shades esque. Yeah, well we didn't get this I mean not really we didn't get to see all what happened. I was just all waiting was, for him like, to his be clothes just dropped. I was literally and waiting she kinda for him. up and downed him. I was waiting for her to break out that whip she just got and say, I'm the breaker of chains. And chain him up. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm the breaker of your chains. Remove your clothes. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So he he has that fun night with Danny, and then he kind of throws it in Jorah's face. Chains he work. walks out of like the, her her quarters as Jorah's walking up, and he's like, "Oh, the queen's in a good mood this morning," oh, and like walks fast. Oh, and then Jorah, yeah. comes, Jorah comes in, and uh, Daenerys is like, "You're here early," and he's like, "Later than some." Like, oh, the shade! Oh, yeah, the shade that was See, thrown. Jorah's every guy that's always been in the friend zone. I've always said it like he can't get what he wants. Always in the friends. We all zone. have friends like that. We all know people like oh, that. Marshmallow said it best. F R E N D S. That's what uh, we call friends. friends. Oh, yeah. It's funny because like, it, it, but the real funny thing is, is in the books, and this is like you know a little bit ago, not current right now. But Jorah does kiss Daenerys. Um, in the books, and like yeah. she was like, "You will never do that again. Don't don't do that." She again. didn't like it. No, she. So she it was like when Sansa, like, her little dealio. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, actually, that comes up in here just mm-hmm. like a couple minutes. Like yeah. we're gonna talk about that, but um, yeah, straight up, like, uh, and actually, this is really something important. Jorah, so Daenerys tells Jorah of what she planned. She had planned for um, Dario to leave the city. And take the second sons and kill every master in Yunkai and Astapor. Guys, she wanted to commit mass genocide. Yeah, all exactly. the masters. She doesn't know who wronged her, what masters were trying to keep her ways, and what masters were against her. She wanted to kill all the masters. Hey, let me read this because I actually have this quote. Um, because I'm gonna reread this back from because this is exactly what you're talking about. Just to remind everybody because you're speaking of slave and masters, of what we talked about in the last episode, because I actually have that right here, um, and I actually put it on the summary at one point for the... Well, while, you, while you're looking for that, I, I just want to talk a little bit about, um, like, like this, like, she had this whole plan, and if we're, if we think about, we talk about the devils in the details, she was willing to kill all of these people all of them. and she doesn't know who wronged her and who was trying to keep the peace the way she wanted it she wanted them all dead mm-hmm. and like then you know sir jora like he's like you know Daenerys, like that like you know that's not how you should do that like yeah. you better than that but no go ahead and, and, and just since and i have it right yeah, here yeah, bring it up bro. um so you know it's in high valyrian um but then i'll translate it 
Uh, so she says, "Don't bug uh, Don't bug uh, Let's see if I can say this. Non solid word. Yeah. Akiza on Santanatus. Amenti on Santanatus. Kilopilus lu Valtolbi on Santanatus. You Rindor Ordia Catanatus. Ornata lu Bozidaro Tolavaro Belma." Piratus. Unsullied, slay the masters, slay the soldiers, slay every man who holds a whip but harm no child. Strike the chains off every sl slave you see. She still said, slay the masters, slay the soldiers, slay every man. Like, she still said those parts. She said, you know, and save I mean, what the is, child. What does Grey Worm always say, like, kill the masters? Like, that's, the like he's, like, so happy for, like, the kill the masters, which is, what is cool stuff, because, like, you get it, like, like, they have... They have their idealistic reasons and like why, like yes, slavery is bad. Like you know, no one should own another person. But the th the thing is, is like when it comes to this point, you get worried for her sanity because like because all it says is like you know, people in there have an uprising and they've you know the the masters have retaken over. But you don't know who did who didn't. She just wants to go there and say, you know what, y'all dying. That's like, you know, what you gives you to do that? Head, like, like, and so Jorah, like, G5 <laughs> waiting on you. G5. <laughs> so Jorah advises her not to, um, kill, like, you know, slay all the, the masters, like, and so she tells, uh, Jorah to go find, uh, Daria and says that, uh, you know, tell her I changed, tell him I changed her mind, and then he's like, no, no, wait. Tell him you changed my mind. It's kind of like a slap back at Daria yeah. for that little, yeah. little interaction they had crossing each other, but no, it was really great advice because, like Joe was saying, like if Ned Stark did what you want to do now, I wouldn't be here advising you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, he would have killed me, like you know, you know, yeah, like having you know, slave trading. Like you know what I mean. So he's trying to talk sense to us. You can't just you kill everyone because like that's a simple solution. Like especially you, like we believe in you. You're supposed to be doing the right thing. Like and you are trying to do the right thing, but you're going about it the wrong way. Like, you're trying to free the people, you know, free like you know, free the slaves who you know shouldn't be owned by anybody. But, like, you can't just kill the right. entire population. Killing everybody. <laughs> like, it's crazy, man. I mean, she kind of goes through this whole bad girl phrase. Uh, a bad girl, a girl phase, right? Almost like, you know, uh, the real queen, Brittany. <laughs> Britney Spears, remember when she had that whole she thing with Kevin Federline? <laughs> it's like that, man. She did the whole bad girl uh, moment with Dario, and then she wanted to really just kind of turn her back on her advisors at that point. Like um, turn her back, but like, I don't think she, like, like, she just made a rash decision, and then when he spoke, like, he made her realize the error, and they made a compromise together. But at the end of the day, like, that was her gut reaction. And what does that tell you? Better. The screws, the screws were already like loosening. Get your Acon on. <laughs> the screws were already yes. loosening for our girl Danny. Um, ooh. Club. Shake. I'm gonna let Chase <laughs> sing it here, you guys. He he's enjoying his dancing. <laughs> yeah, no, Danny's my queen, man. So I always been me, but yeah, it was very. Uh, it made me think of the weekend. Cause you earned it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Cause you were her, 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 her. <laughs> That's right, man. 
I'm yeah, really excited for our viewers to, to rate your performance as if they were on uh, America's Got Talent. Uh, no, definitely not. I used to yeah. kill the weekend though when I did Wicked Games. <laughs> girl back home. And that's after drinking the wine, baby. Get oh, wine and dine. Oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to you guys rating uh, our, our host Chase's performance here today. Oh, so definitely. please. Please give him uh, a star rating on his on his singing of the week. What's the other song I have? Every day I sit often. Oh yeah! Yeah, Apparently we 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 do concert time now. Oh, we do karaoke. We do karaoke. We do karaoke. No more cowboys. We're gonna start doing karaoke. Dear Lord, let's jump back into why we're here, (laughs) sir. Jump into karaoke time. (laughs) It's like uh, (laughs) what was that? What was that? Uh, Adventure time. Instead of adventure time with Chase and Josh, karaoke time with Chase and Josh on this section of Factor Fantasy. Anyways, okay, so Jorah's pissed, right? Well, that not, was, not, he's not mad. He's, he's happy that she he, she was able to change his mind. And, you know, it, it's funny because then we, like, we start thinking, like, how, like, man, how do we take three hours with some of these things? We do things like this. <laughs> so that's I, why know, it takes, I didn't even get into the yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I did this whole thing. I won't don't even, I, oh, my goodness. Don't worry. <laughs> You guys, if you, for the ones who can't see me on the video, I decided to just roll my eyes and just do yeah, my pen. I, I, I can't. I don't even want to. <laughs> no. Hey, first of all, I did this, this whole. Uh, you know what? Let's, I think it's a good time. No, it's not. We're not, we're, not, we're, we're, we're not doing that. I did this whole so, research. <laughs> no, we're stopping. So, anyways, I'm like ravens and pigeons, man. We'll 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 save it for our summary. Save it's it a for great, our summary, it, you guys. It's a great piece. <laughs> Nothing to do with season four at all. So <laughs> back to season four. Well, <laughs> Andre is now talking to Solis uh, about, you know, the fact that... Um, Which is why I'm always up till 5 a.m. I just like... It's a know. psychopath, right? <laughs> Ramsey like Snow over here. <laughs> yeah. This is turning into an excellent evening. <laughs> a lovely evening. Lovely But yeah. so, yeah, so Melisandre is like talking to Solis about how um, deception can help bring people to the truth and... Um, Solis is like trying to convince Melisandre to tell Stannis to leave Shireen behind when they journey north, but as a form of foreshadow, Melisandre tells Solis that the Lord of Light needs Shireen. So, I'm not going to say what happens to her. If you've seen it, you've seen it. We'll talk about it here in you know, a couple, uh, you know, whenever that comes up for us next, but it's another foreshadow of what's going to happen next, and it's very, very sad, especially with the outcome um, for Stannis as it is. So, well, at least in, in the TV series, uh, you know, in the books, it's a little bit different. But um, going going back into, uh, actually, you know who we haven't talked about in a while, Brienne. She's been on this journey with Podrick looking for Sansa Stark. And so Brienne and Podrick, they end up at Hot Pie's Tavern where he's like, you know, a kitchen mate, a guy, and he's like making all these things. And he kind of, he, he does have those social cues of like when he's bothering someone. So Brienne said like, oh, the pigeon pie is delicious. Like he pulls up a chair and sits down, goes into a whole like soliloquy of how he, how he makes it. And then they're talking, and he, she, like, brings up, like, how, who she's looking for in the Starks. And, like, Popeye gets nervous. He's like, oh, wait, well, I heard those were traitors. And then Brienne kind of has an idea, like, oh, he knows something. Because he was starting to act a little shady. So right. he goes, well, I swore my sword to Catelyn Stark to protect her daughters. And he's like, well, haven't seen any Starks around here. And as they go and bundle up the horses, he runs out when no one can hear him right. outside. And he's like, hey, listen, I, I've never seen Sansa, but... Uh, I'm great friends with Arya Stark. You know, I've seen her with you know the Hound not too long ago, and his company. So they learn Arya's alive, which is which is huge because outside of 
you know, the Hound and the Brotherhood Without Banners, no one knows Arya Stark's alive. Mm-hmm. So now that they now Brienne knows that she's alive, she's kind of reinvigorated with purpose because she's got a lead. Right. Uh, which now we're kind of jumping back into my favorite person. Uh, now it's getting kind of towards the end of this episode. Oberyn. Oberyn. So this is actually a very significant scene. Yeah. Uh, so he starts telling Tyrion the story about, you know, Cersei and how they said they had someone that was, you know, deformed or it was like a monster that was there. And they kept him in uh, this little, like, crib or this little cage kind of thing. Gotta lean forward, can be leaning back like a... It was, it was more the fact that the, your, your voice is not carrying. We gotta... And uh, I was gonna do the whole, uh, you know, what's, what's his name of it? Lean back. Lean oh, back. Fat Joe. Fat Joe. Yeah. I don't use the word. Almost don't, that's what yeah, his name is. Okay, Almost do don't dance. Do the rock, rock away. It is karaoke lean time. <laughs> karaoke time with Chase and Josh. Anyways. Yeah. He's, uh, so, uh, you meet, you see Oberon again. And he comes in to Tyrion, and he's telling the story about how Cersei was saying, talking about her little brother Tyrion, and how uh, there was this monster that they had, or this imp that was in this crib. And he said, you know, quote unquote, and I heard he had a, a little cock. It was a little, little cock. And oh no, he he like, a little tail between his legs. Little yeah, tail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little pink cock. Yeah, yeah, little I, pink. Yeah, okay, so what different. was it with the pink cock? So, basically, the, the, this creature <laughs> had the. Oberon was giving, he's like, you know, we were so excited to see this monster, this dwarf that we're talking about. He's supposed to have one, one red eye and a tail between his legs and his head twice the size of his body. And so, when she finally brought us to you, we were, as you can imagine, we were disappointed. Yes. Your head was a little big. But your yeah, arms and cock. legs were a little small. <laughs> but there was no red eye. There was no tail between your legs, and and, and so uh, Cersei, uh, she 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 hated you from the start. <laughs> she, like you, she's like this is he killed my mother, and he I, I, it doesn't matter. He's going to die soon, and she grabbed his little pink cock. That's what I was. Yeah. I thought she was going to rip it off. Her brother Jamie pulled her off. Yeah, but basically it shows, you know, and then he said, you know, and then I noticed it was just, it was just a baby. He said, I told Cersei, that's not a a monster. It's just a baby. And it really just shows, you know, Oberon, which is really funny as how they describe him as being mad and crazy in the books, because it kind of shows in the show He's very down to earth and real. Yeah, yeah, no, down to earth is a great way to put put him. Like he he really is. Like like he knows the way the world works. He's very like, not quick to judge, actually. Right. I'm trying to Which in the books like they describe him as yeah. mad. Like Right. So it's very interesting to think like it's like should they had portrayed it that way? Do you think that's the way they should have done it? I don't know. I mean I think I I like the way he portrayed the character. I thought he did a good job with it. I mean, I thought it was it made you have that emotional connection uh, to Oberon, which is why I was sad that we didn't get to see him as much in this season because yeah. he's such a big part of the books. Um, but you know that goes into our boys. This is the way in <laughs> the Mandalorian, right? Which uh, so we're glad he's there at least. But this goes into Oberon tells him, you know, that he wants justice. 
for what happened. Like, what about what I want? Yeah. What do you want? About what I want. Justice. Yeah, and he's going to get uh, justice. You want to explain, like, what happens so our audience knows what the deal is, what he's trying to get justice for? Uh, yes. So, um, so if you guys have fallen up to this point, uh, you know Oberyn, his sister, Elia Martell, was uh, uh, betrothed to Rhaegar Targaryen, and they had children together. Um, now, during Robert's Rebellion, uh, the mountain, he actually... Um, Found like they found Elia Martell, um, raped her, uh, murdered her, then killed the children, and so like like just very gruesome as can be. Like I say that, and I don't think I put enough passion behind it of like like how bad like that really is. Like the like you know being the mountain, like, the mountain crushing, like he crushed the baby's heads against us, the, the like a brick wall, like a stone wall. That's what he said. Like, like rather than crushed the heads against that, like then you know raped like his sister and murdered her. So he wants justice for, you know, and, and he, he wants justice against the Lannisters because he said, you know, like, Gregor Clegane is the subordinate of Tywin Lannister. Like, so, you know, Tywin Lannister gives the orders and Gregor, Sir Gregor carries them out. So Oberyn wants justice from the top down. Like, he wants it, he wants to kill all of the Lannisters responsible for his sister's death. Yeah, and, uh... You know, that's what he tells him. I will be your champion. Yeah, I will be your champion. Yeah. Which is great. And we get some really great uh, quotes in, in the books going on. But now, after he tells that he will be his champion. Well, because, like, here's the thing, too, is, is Tyrion was confused. He was like, well, I'm not, not, not going to find justice here. He's like, you're, I'm not going to find your justice as your judge. I will be your champion. Yeah. Like, that was pretty cool. So, uh, Maiden. And it's, yeah. it's impressive how cocky the viper is oh yeah like he doesn't care he thinks he's gonna beat him oh he knows it he did like for the most part you know and that's one thing i want to bring up too i guess it's a moot point because of what ends up happening but when when we finish up you know that uh, battle between um over and and gregor remind me i want to bring this this point up or at least a question up at that point but for this part um you know how Really, episode seven kind of winds down. Sansa is building like a little snow castle of Winterfell, like an entire model of what it looked like. And Snow and Robin Aaron like try to like make a moon door to be fun and like oh <laughs> like broke the castle. And she's like you ruined it. Like not really like really accusing him in an angry way. Then Robert Robin Aaron throws like a huge tantrum and like I did not. And he starts kicking the whole thing down and Sansa smacks him across the face. Yeah. And then she re- immediately realizes like oh shoot like my aunt is crazy like I really shouldn't have done it because now I know what's gonna happen to me. And but um, Littlefinger saw her smack him and he's like oh squabble amongst children. She's like I hit him. He's like, yeah, something uh, his father should have done a long time ago. Consider it an overdue payment. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was just funny how he just kind of played it off. And so she's thinking that that's what she's going to have to worry about. But then what does Peter do? He grabs her and, like, you know, kisses her. Well, he, he has, like, obviously his, all his monologues and, like, his, his, like, whatever he says. He goes, well, to, uh, yeah, like, to build a better home, you've got to destroy the new one. You know, right. and talking about that and... Uh, he gets, leans in close and then kisses Sansa, which again, he's 45 years old, Sansa's 13. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like, what are we doing, man? Yeah, and not, not only that, guess who sees it from the balcony? Liza yeah. Aaron looks over and watches them as like he kisses her. And so when um, 
uh, Liza Aaron summons Sansa to like the main room where the moon door is, like she snap like well she go well first she's like uh, do you know why somebody here's like I I you know I, I didn't mean to strike uh, um, uh, Robin like it was you know it was a mistake it'll never happen again she's like I saw you kissing. Like just her eyes yeah, are like mad yeah, crazy. Weirdo. Then she starts screaming, grabs her like by the shoulders and like throw, like puts her face like the moon, almost like how you put like a dog's face in like yeah. a poop for like making a mess in the house. She <laughs> grabs her face and like throws it to like the moon door. She's like, ah, and like just screaming, telling her like how like you know he's mine, like you can never have her. Like I've I've loved him even when like your mother scorned him and and this that and the third. And then, hmm. which in the books, it was actually even worse because yeah. it was said uh, the people outside were told to sing because their screams were so loud. Yeah. Um, which I'm trying to find that uh, little part in my notes here. But yeah, it said, let's see here. Let me try to find this little part, what they're saying. Uh, but yeah, basically, like, they were, she told the people outside to start singing because. Sansa was screaming so loud at this point from being, you know, threatened to be pushed in the hole. Yeah. Uh, that it was just torturous, really, is what it was. And so, and then Peter arrives, like, there in in that main room. And he's like, Liza! Like, like kind of, like, curtly. And so, uh, he kind of smooth talk. He does that whole little finger thing, like... Like listen, and she's like, "You love her? You you want her?" And he's like, "No, no, she's just a, a silly child. I will send her away. Like I like I will, I will send her. I'll yeah. send her off. Like she'll she'll go tomorrow. Like you know, just let the poor child go." And so Liza kind of like lets Sansa go, and Sansa like runs away from that. She's like, "My silly wife, I have only ever loved one person." And like building up to like things that she's gonna he's gonna stroke her you and say to her, he grabs her by the shoulders, says your sister and pushes her right through the moon door yeah and Liza Aaron just falls through the moon door and <laughs> that's really how Later. the episode the episode ends so yeah um and this know. gets into my favorite episode of the season not the viper versus the mountain uh <laughs> yeah it has my favorite quote of all time big doesn't matter if you're lying flat on your back yeah <laughs> yeah yep um, yeah, so then we're gonna dive, go ahead and so, dive into episode 8, man, here we go, this well, is the big one. This is the big one. This is, this, there's a lot of things that happen here, because in episode 8, the Wildlings sack Moletown, which if you guys remember, Sam Tarly had sent Gilly and the baby to live. And they kill everyone in Moletown except Gilly and the baby because Egret is the one, the one obviously Jon Snow um, had the fling with. She opens the curtain and sees her and the baby, tells her to be quiet. So she lets her live, but they kill everyone else in Moletown. And that I mean, like, in Moletown is, is less than a, like a, a, a day's ride away from Castle Black. So we're coming, we're coming to that point where. The Wildlings and, and the Night's Watch, they're, they're about to, you know, they're getting very, very close um, to their big battle. Uh, and, you know, at this kind of time, also, it cuts over to Grey Worm a little bit. Yeah, Grey Worm. Checking yeah. the myths on Yeah. Start getting more of that little Shades of Grey. <laughs> Get that little pun there. 
Gray yeah, worm, gray shades worm. of gray. Yeah. Yeah. No. Tell, tell them about her, like them being in like the the water. Yeah. Uh, so Melisandre is Missandei. Missandei. Sorry, Missandei. Sorry. Wine's sticking on me here. The red wine. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Red wine for the. Uh, it's a nice day for red wine. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but yeah, Missandei is is bathing in the water, and of course, you know, naked. Naked. Yeah, and he sees her. And it's very interesting because he finds her attractive, but I don't know how that would happen because he's technically castrated. Right, yeah, he's about. a unit. Like they, they've got, you know, you know, they were cut when they were children. So there's, so no, like, there's no sex drive. There's like, you know, so really it's, it, it is interesting. Yeah. Like, Which, let's talk about that in the books. You know, she's like 12 in the books. So like this doesn't happen in the books. Like they don't develop an attraction for each other. He doesn't even have that emotion for her. In the books, because she's so, a child. And also, remember, like, Unsullied are kind of characterized by nature as unemotional. No yeah, like, soulless men. Like, like, you know, they do a job, they have a task, and that's fighting, and that's it. Right. Uh, but, yeah, he tells her, you know, he, he goes to her, and he's really watching her and uh, attracted to her at this point. Almost like a kid with his first, like, crush, you know, in the, in the elementary school class. Yeah. You're like... You know, watching yourself at the desk. <laughs> Anyways, That's I get so a little true. too into the detail. No, no, but yeah, right. and um, you know, and then she goes over to Danny, and Danny uh, says that same question. She's like, "Why? Like, do you think that's even possible?" Because yeah, you know, she, what she asked, right. she asked, like, "Hey, like, do they take like the stones and the like, like the." The stones and the, the pillar and the stone. The pillar and the stone. Yeah, and like, like, like well, I don't know. So it's interesting because I still we don't we still don't get that answered in the, in the TV series even to this point. Like, you know what they take. Right. But, um, and you know, and then he comes back, and I think what really gets her is he like apologizes. He, does, yeah. and he has like respect for her. Um, so you really start to see this relationship grow between them two, which is almost like the same as the he Grey Worm you'll find out later, winds up really having the same emotion that Tyrion had for Shea uh, related to this season because, you know, as far as they grow later on, like, he's, like, everything she lived... Uh, he... She is everything he lives and for. And think about this, too. Like, what did what did he... Uh, what did she say? She's like, I'm glad you saw me. And yeah, like, I'm, I'm glad, glad you too. saw me. So, yeah, no, good point. And then, you know, to kick it back to your other boy... Uh, Ramsey, uh, th th at this point, he sends... Ramsey! He sends Theon to Moe Kaelin. And, like, like Moe Kaelin's held by the Ironborn, so what he's hoping, like, you know, he's sending Theon on a mission there, he's like, hey, you're gonna pretend to be Theon Greyjoy, but you... It was so funny, he, he has not go through a thing, he's like, who are you gonna <laughs> pretend to be? I'm Theon Greyjoy, Prince of the Iron Islands, but who are you really? He's like, I'm Reek. He's like... <laughs> he has not repeated he has it like, multiple like, oh, times. So like, weird, literally man. a trained dog. Yeah, like, if you were told a jog... Sit down, roll over. Would you like a treat? Yeah. That's exactly what he was. Yeah, and this was so genius, like yeah. intellectual. And do you think it was on the fly, or do you think he planned this out? Planned it for sure, because because he told him like when he gave him that bath that he was gonna do it. He was yeah, gonna, he was gonna like send him to. Would you like a bath, um, <laughs> uh, Mo Kalen. So uh, basically, Theon brings the terms like, "Hey, listen, you guys are sick. You guys have nothing to hold the thing with. Like, we can come take it by force." Or you guys can just surrender and we'll let all you guys live. And the guy originally, like, basically, like, he spits at Theon. Yeah. And and he's like, uh, you know, is that, those sound like the uh, words of a, of a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and then 
He's like, uh, he and he almost saying, like cowers down. He does. He start. He starts saying. He starts yeah, saying like, reek, reek, reek. He starts. Saying, he's like saying reek under his breath, and like so. Like, the guy was like declining those terms until the guy behind him put a freaking axe in his head. Yeah. And then he's like, "Is that what?" He's like, "If we if we surrender, you let us live. Is that what that note says?" And he yeah. says, "Yes." And then two seconds later, you see him fully flayed with like like knives or like like sticks through his body with no eye. Yeah, like like, they, they, like Ramsey killed him all anyways. Promised him free passage that they would go ahead and um, save him, and like they 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 spare the lives and they kill him anyways. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> psycho. And it makes you wonder, like, what if, like, what if, like, they had held their own there and he didn't kill that guy? Yeah, it would have been completely different. It could have been, like, you know, because Mo Kalen is, is is easy to defend and hard to penetrate. Right. So like like. The uh, you know the Bolton army might have been able to do it, but it would have been very difficult. They would have lost a lot of men. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of how that that goes there. Then you know, Roose Bolton shows up like in a little bit after that. But before then, the Council of the Vale puts uh, Baelish on trial regarding right. Lysaren's death. You know, so they bring in Sansa, and Sansa like he's like, I I must tell the truth. Then she goes in and tells him all about like how she's actually Sansa Stark, which is genius on her part because now like she knows she's got some friends in, in the Vale because in high places because you know the issue with with Liza Aaron she couldn't do anything with her like alive because she's like a, like mm -hmm. a psycho and they they just like oh yeah. she's always been a little touched but basically <clears throat> the the people who had put uh, Baelish on trial they were asking really tough questions from the answer. And like, like, how about like Eliza? Like, she wasn't like she loved the boy. Like, like how why would she commit suicide? Like this, that, and the third. And Sansa comes up with this brilliant, elaborate, like thing that gets him basically gets him out, out of trouble completely. They apologize to him, and now you know it's funny because then he goes to Sansa afterwards. He's like, you know, why did you do that when you could have yeah. told them the truth? Like, he's like, you think you know me? Oh, he's like, he's like, oh, because like the. The enemy you know is is better than the one you don't, mm -hmm. and she, he's like, so you think you know me? And she's like, I know what you want, and like that was yeah. that was pretty badass. And it goes back to uh, when before, remember Liza before she was pushed pushed out the door. <laughs> um, she kept saying, you know, you'll be the lady of the veil, you'll be all this stuff. So it almost makes you wonder, like, did Sansa kind of have her heart set on that? I, I think that she just did not want to be like she's been bullied her entire time You're like and Liza Aaron's like just another person that terrifies her so yeah. you know and Peter you know say what you want about but Baelish he has he saved her from King's Landing he saved her from Liza Aaron so like he he has like put some sort of like quality of you know like her life is worth something to him so maybe she felt like she owed him something but yeah. she still doesn't trust him which is great because you should never trust that guy. Yeah. But uh, talking about who not to trust, uh, this kind of goes into friend zone. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, follow to the Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, uh, so Benjamin was caught, <laughs> caught shoplifting at the Victoria's Secret for his girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's a that's a lovely analogy. Oh actually. yeah. So Barris mm, and Thomas, like walking along like the Tried room. to be a bad boy. And, uh, <laughs> he receives like a letter. Like this guy puts like this little boy puts a letter and he says like Barris and Selmy and he puts the letter in hand and runs off. And it, you look at the seal, it's like the unbroken seal of the hand of the king. 
and he opens it, and it's I the bet full. You he thought she would like it too. <laughs> <laughs> so Verison, so Verison uh, opens the uh, royal pardon and like reads it, and comes to realize that Jorah has been spying on Danny and feeding them information about her. So, kudos to Sir Verison. He goes and actually confronts Jorah like face to face, and Jorah's like, you know, let me speak to her in private first. He's like, you'll never be alone with her again. Yeah. And so after that. Uh, you know, he, he appears at the Pyramid of Marine, and, you know, like you said, in the books, she was so much more broken up and not as stoic. Like, she, like, had, she was, like, fighting back tears, where in the TV series, she was, like, set jaw, like... Like, didn't like, care. Like, like, oh, like, like you're gonna, you're gonna like, uh, betray me? Well, well, guess what? I don't feel bad about doing this, so... Basically, what she does is she banishes him. Which, let's talk about this for just a minute, and I know we gotta kind of... We got a couple more episodes, but Jorah, when he sent the information on where Viserys and her were located, it was when she was patrolled to Drogo and had the baby. Well, at the time, it really wasn't that bad. He was just letting them know what was going on. Which, I mean... Like, was it really that big of a threat? Yes, well, because... Like that's why they attempted like, on her life is like like when she was pregnant like because yeah. they knew that she was pregnant like remember like Robert Baratheon the whore is pregnant yeah the <laughs> whore then, is pregnant yeah, yeah just like that so you know it was important because he's feeding information about like the marriage to Khal Drogo her becoming pregnant like you know like their plans to you know all that so um, it was big and especially like since she trusted him with everything her entire way and now all of a sudden this person that she's known. You know, it's all been a lie to an extent. Like, obviously, he did, like, you know, we all know he fully committed to Danny and, and her allegiance. Yeah. But <laughs> she was saying some hard things. Go collect your pardon if you can. Go back to your the people, you know, in, in Westeros. You know, like, I don't want to see you here. I don't want to, like, I, I couldn't, I don't want to see your head on a spike, but I don't want you in my city either. So, you know, go and don't come back. And if you're still here past, you know, you know yeah, dawn break, you're... She says, if you ever come back, I'll send you to Slaver's Bay. Yeah, send you to the Pits of Slaver's Bay. That's right. So, yeah. And she refused to hear his side. Like, he kept trying to give his side. And um, all she wanted let me was explain. quick yes or no answers. And that was it. He's like, you know, he wanted to speak to her alone. He's like, no, he will speak to me here. So, yeah. yeah. And um, then, uh, at this, uh, shortly after this, uh, we get to see my boy get anointed. Yeah. So that's right. Ruth, I mean, at this point, he uh, Ramsey presents the flag of Moat Kalen to Roose Bolton, and Roose Bolton's like he tells him, "Hey, walk with me." So they go up to like like this hill, and he's like, "Tell me what you see." He's like, "Nothing." <laughs> he's like, "It's the north. Seven hundred miles that way. It's still the north. Five hundred miles that way. We're in the north." And like like I now I and I control all this. I'm the warden of the north. Yeah. And he says. He, he's like, tell me your name. And he's like, Ramsey Snow. And he's like, from now on, he like unfurls like a royal document. So from now on, you are the uh, true born son of Roos Bolton, Ramsey Bolton. Yeah. So he is now, he is now uh, uh, a Bolton in truth. I mean, here's a part, though, we gotta say, though. I mean, if you're Roos Bolton... You gotta be proud of your son. I mean, it was sadistic and sick what he did. 
but he's made all the right moves at the moment. Like, he's a sadistic genius. I mean, he's made all the right moves. I mean, he's literally put the Boltons at the point of now they're starting to gain power when they weren't even considered before. They weren't even a... Because, like, oh, yeah, what was the exact word that, Ty, like, that Bruce Bolton said? He goes, uh, Tywin Lannister named me Warden of the North, but he won't lift a finger to help me keep it. Yeah. So, exactly. like, they had to basically do it on their own. And right, Ramsey and was a big part of that. He was, yeah. Um, and he said, uh, I will be worthy of you, Father. Yeah, he is not, yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And then back to your other boy, uh, this is when... Uh, the, one of the big climaxes of uh, season. Uh, would you call it the climax? Because what happens afterwards is pretty big too. Um, I'd say afterwards. Yeah, I, I agree. But uh, trial by combat begins. Oberyn versus yeah, is the one, Gregor Clegane, the Viper. This is a big one. Versus yeah. the Mountain, and uh, it was Damn, funny because like when they started, awesome. when they started. So we'll we'll make that alliteration between or the symmetry between the Mandalorian and uh, Game of Thrones, because, you know, in The Mandalorian, he never takes his helmet off, and in Game of Thrones, like, Tyrion's like, you could at least wear a helmet, like, in the before he oh, starts yes. it, so like, it's just funny, because of how we know it ends, but what's funny, what's even, like, interesting, is in the books, he has, like, a half helm, so basically, if you guys can think about it, those old-school motorcycle helmets that didn't have, like, that, like, full face guard, it was just, like, covering, like, right above your eye eyebrows, uh, your ears, and, like, uh, you know, just a little chin strap, that's basically what it was characterized as, like, the helmet that Oberyn had in the books. He also had, had like, a shield as well, where he just had the spear in the TV series. So a couple of little bits of differences in, in, in the battle there. Um, oh, it was great. Yeah. Remember, and then, you know, the mountain walks out, and his wife, or whatever it is, she's like, that's the biggest man I've ever seen. And he says... She goes, Are you, you're going to fight that? And he I'm says, going to kill that. That's right. Size does not matter when you're flat on your back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's his cockiness. Remember, he was drinking yeah. before he even wow. fought him because he just yeah. he in knew yeah, he, he was going to beat him. Like, he didn't care. Like, he was, it was the idea of I'm going to do whatever I want to do and I'm going to win. And that's how great he was. So he was, funny, too. You could take. Ten Achilles, and he could probably beat them all if he. Oh, let's not get carried away. It's not overconfident, right? Let's not get carried away. But um, I will say yes. No, it, and like it was just funny, like you know, because you know he kept saying that line over and over yeah. and over again. And it's like, funny you said the helmet too, because yeah. I will say this: because Tyrion said at one point, he said, "Oh, that's very light armor." Like you know, you're fighting in the mountain here. That's what he said. He said the exact words that came out of Tyrion's mouth. He said, "You could at least wear a helmet." After he said that. He said, like, I like very to move light around. Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's like, it's very light armor. He's like, I like to move around. He's like, you could at least wear a helmet. And I will say this. So in the books, like we were saying, it was... So we're going to get into the fight in the actual TV show in just a minute and break that down. In the books, it lasted longer, like to the point they almost both tired. Actually, the mountain was described as being so big, <clears throat> he carried a shield in one hand and the great sword in the other. Um, and then uh, the Viper was really described as being really quick, but also intellectual. Um, he perfected his poison on the end of the spear that he would use and kind of pick out spots on how to take down 
the mountain. And then there was one moment, which is just a couple of sentences in the book, but it's kind of a big deal. Uh, the shield he has, he almost uses as like a mirror, almost, and he reflects the light at uh, the mountain, who actually is wearing a helmet in the books, uh, to kind of like blind him. So it shows a little bit of more of his intellectual ability versus just being an overconfident badass with murdered her, raped her, killed the children. <laughs> no, no, you can't die now. You that have to confess. Favorite. Like you that. have to confess. So, and, and honestly, let's talk about that a little, little bit. Since you're talking about the differences between the books and, and the TV series, like he was getting to Gregor Clegane in the in the books. He won. Like he fight. was he was shouting on the top, like talking about like the, yeah. the like mental words, like the, the yeah. words was the words were getting to him. He kept saying that you will say her name, Elliot Martell. You know, you raped her, you murdered her, and killed her children. He kept saying that, and like like Gregor Clegane in the books, we kept responding. Like in the TV series, he didn't say anything. He just like, kept like swinging at yeah. her. But he's like, shut up, <clears throat> shut up. Like like he's like like all caps, everything. Like he's like you know like uh, like shut your mouth, like just. He was getting in Gregor Kagan's head by, like, you know, just constantly, like, the wordplay, then his, like, ability as a warrior, and just, like, continuously just breaking this guy down, like, uh, mentally, and, like, he was exhausting him and beating him in the fight. Like, Oberon was whooping that ass, man, until he I got mean, crazy. if this puts it in perspective, guys, for all our listeners out here, which you know, <clears throat> Tyrion says at one point, thank the gods, like, I have him. Because no one else wanted to do it. Yeah. No one else wanted that fight. His wife even said at one point, don't leave me alone in this world. He's like, today is not the day I die. He never yeah, had... What you thought, boy? <laughs> <laughs> what you thought? <clears throat> but, like, there was no one else that was confident like that. No one else. Did he want, like, he wanted to fight. Like, it wasn't just, like, he would do it. Like, he he's wanted to fight. Like, remember, like, if you think about it, like, what was it? The maybe first episode of the season when Oberyn gets to uh, King's Landing, Tywin goes visiting him. He's he's like, I can arrange a meeting with you in the mountain, and then uh, Oberyn's like I would like that very much, and and then Tywin's like I'm sure he would like that too, and then Oberyn's like he might not like that as much as he thinks he does. Oh, like, yeah, like, 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 like he just well, he wanted that fight with the mountain for his entire life, and you know he was he was destroying him. But like I love that part though. Like well, that was my favorite of that entire fight. It's when he he defeats Gregor Clegane. He he stabs him, throws him on the ground. Like he he's cut his leg. He's cut him in the in the side, on the shoulder. Like he's he's got him on the ground, laying down. And he's like he, he was uh, toying with him he at was. one point, and he put the sword. He, he was completely toying with him. Yeah, and, he put, and he put like the like the uh, spear like, over his head, and went to like Jamie's like, wait, you can't die yet. You're you not convinced. Uh, he could have killed him in so many ways, but he was just being such a tool about the. You raped her. You murdered her. You killed her children. <laughs> you uh, kept yeah. doing it over and over and over again. And so, because of that, like he got too close to like like his wingspan and where he was, and um, you know it was a little bit different in the books. Very very close to similar because in the books he put his he like put his foot on the chest of the mountain. And like was standing over him, and he and the mountain grabbed him behind the knee. Where in the TV series, he kind of like sweeped his legs into where uh, Oberyn fell on the ground, and then he grabbed Oberyn like from the uh, bottom and had him up here. And then he, I mean, he yeah, conf he confessed. Yeah, he said, Which, "I did it." And then <laughs> before we tell the ending of that, real quick, I do want to say what's really weird about this whole. So this this kind of section that we're doing here, I noticed a lot of symbolism, 
which it's very stretches here compared to a lot of symbolism we found. But actually, I was re-looking at this fight, and it's a lot of symbolism of three again. So you have uh, the raped her, the murdered her, the killed her children, over and over and over. Raped her, the murdered her, the killed her children. Well, also, it goes into the point of how he intellectually, methodically took down the mountain before the end result. So the first thing he did was he stabbed the stomach. Second thing he did was he cut the leg. And then he said, no, 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 you're not done yet, you haven't confessed. He stabbed him in the lungs and through the body and the stomach when he was laying flat on his back. So it's very funny how you have the symbolism of three the whole time. If I've got to hear one more thing about the symbolism of three in our Thrones arc, I'm going to jump out the window. Well, I was going to go into pigeons, but... <laughs> yeah. But um, it's just... It, it's The point is, is the Viper Adorn, he was so well thought of that, honestly, if he wasn't just completely losing focus and overconfident and just trying to prove a point, this fight would have really not been a contest. Yeah, no, it wasn't easy. Like, it was just strange because like everyone's like terrified. Like, he's got the terrible reputation of being like a brutalizer. Like they, they, he's, he's uh, classified as Tywin's mad dog. Like he's he's seven feet tall. You know, he's agile and he's just wickedly strong and wickedly fast. Like so, the fact that like. Oberon was was like almost con contemptuously just lazily beating him. He was like he was like not trying. He was like ah, I got this. Like uh, you know, like he there was no focus. There was no anything. He was just like I'm just a better fighter than you, and I'm just gonna make you look really silly while I get you convinced what you did to my sister before I end your life. Like that was exactly what like he wanted to do. I mean, you can make the case that the Viper was the best out of all of them at the moment. Because no one wanted to fight the mountain. No one. No, no one. one. And he, he was happy to do it. He's the best of all of them. Well, I mean, the reason he, he had he had actual reason to want to. That's a yeah. big, you know, the motive is a, is a big thing that That's we got to talk one. about okay, as well. Like that, but yeah. yeah, you know, so to kind of get back to, like, the, the conclusion of that. of that. Um, and I was going to say, I just uh, showed Josh this note here. He wanted Tywin to confess to the murder. Um, well, he pointed at, at he pointed at him, but uh, I think that was more because like I feel like if he had been in the mountain, like he would have methodically figured out a way. Like he didn't tell Tywin he wants him to confess or anything like that. that he he said that, but it was just almost like a warning. Like you know, look like you see what I did to like your top best warrior. What do you think I'm going to do next? Yeah. Like, I'm coming for all of you. Right. I think that was more of that than like wanting Tywin to confess. I agree but, with that. It makes sense. Um, yeah, you want to repeat what happens next? Which part? Uh, the big moment, so... The oh, mountain trips Oberon. Right, yeah, right, yeah, he kind of leg sweeps him, and then, like, it was weird, because, like, he kind of leaned over, picked him up one arm from the side, and, and had him up here, and then the mountain, uh, he confessed to, uh, killing her, uh, raping her, murdering her, and killing her children, and, um... While knocking his teeth out. Knocked his teeth out, like they were sh they were splinters. They used to categorize like in splinters over his teeth, and you could see it too. It was it was gruesome, and then rolls him over onto his back, and then he's like, and I crushed their skulls like this, and dug his, his like chainmail into his eyes, and then you hear that, <laughs> and it was gruesome because then you see like the Gregor Kregane like lay down like this afterwards, like defeated, like but he had enough in him 
to crush Oberyn's skull, and you saw how gruesome that looked. Yeah, I mean, we were reading the part in the book earlier, and it said, you know, everyone was basically vomiting because yeah. how disgusting it was. Yeah, and um, on top of that, too, because remember I told you, like, once we get to this part, I want you to remind me to bring this up. Yeah. Like, it's a moot point because, like, of what ends up happening to Gregor later, but, like, how can you... What Tywin did is he, he verdict uh, Tyrion guilty, but to me, it's like they were both dead. Both, like, the mountain and, like, Oberyn were dead. Obviously, we know what happens later with the mountain. But, like, for all intents and purposes, like, you know, he was dead, too. So, like, he, like, I thought it was a quick um, verdict on Thomas' part. Like, yo, like, yes, Tyrion's champion lost, but so did Cersei's. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, for so the, you know, Cersei, blah, blah, yeah. this, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was something that I always had questions on. But then, obviously, Kyburn, you know, uh, you know, does some work on, on Gregor, but I don't know. It's something I always thought about, like, how can you, like, call it, like, that verdict right away when you don't even know if Cersei Champion is going to survive or not? Yeah. So, like, it's almost like a draw, like, hey, yeah. do another trial by combat. Like, honestly. Yeah. Well, it's funny you said that about Cersei, too, because, you know, when she notices who Tyrion's champion is, she really is really worried. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even Tywin and, and Jamie starts to laugh. And kind of smile and snicker during this whole thing because the Viper is just straight up kicking his ass. Yeah. Like during this whole thing. And it makes you wonder too, you know, say Wise and Benkoff because people, you know, like Pedro Pascal so much. Like, what if they had continued his character? Do you think he would have become a fan favorite? I think he's a fan favorite for the amount of time he was in there. Yeah. Um, he was just but, in there for such a short period of time. Oh, I agree. Is the. Issue, but, but um, that I mean that's how that's how uh, you know episode eight ends. Like you know, one thing I noticed, and I don't know if I brought it up on our past uh, you know evaluations that we've done for Game of Thrones. Obviously, that was episode eight, right? So it's not the second to last episode. There's still episode nine, episode ten. But you know, as we're moving into episode nine, all the big things happen. In the second to last episode yeah. of the thing, like they, Ned Stark loses his head in episode nine of season one. Rob Stark dies in like the Red Wedding in episode nine of season three, and now like like um, you know obviously the the battle for Castle Black happens in season four. Yeah, um, you know, and also also the battle of Blackwater Bay in season two is is, is mm-hmm. episode nine. So yeah. it's like it's all the big climatic uh, parts of the um, series like in the season. They happen to the second to last episode as we're getting into it right now, with the wildlings and the night watch as they prepare to do battle. Um, Gilly returns to Castle Black, so they find out she's alive after they've all been despairing that her and her child were dead. Um, so they start making their their preparations. She kind of explains like how gruesome it was, like how they butchered everybody in in Molestown, uh, the, the wildlings, and they start making they, their preparations because. Uh, um, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, what they do beyond the wall, but they uh, they lit the biggest fire the North has ever seen. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they burned like a whole like Furnace forest. The ground. <laughs> they yeah. burned like a whole forest, and yeah. so that's when you knew, like, listen, like, like it's time. They all they all were ready. Like the wildlings were ready, and uh, the Castle Black was as ready as they could be. And keep in mind, guys, the wilding army had a hundred thousand men. Right, that that's how it was characterized. Hundred thousand men. Castle Black had like just over 
a hundred. Like, it was like a hundred and seven or something like that. Because like a couple of them died in Molestown for sneaking off to be with the women, right? So like, I think they said something along the lines like there's a hundred and two or a hundred and seven, some some strange number like that. Just just over a hundred. But on top of that, that's not just like the um, the number. That's the number they have in total. That includes stewards. That includes builders. People who are not fighters. Like, yeah. like they only have like a little over a hundred in total. A hundred against a hundred thousand. Yeah. That's terrible odds. <laughs> you know, I didn't yeah. put it mildly. It's the worst odds that ever have been, right? You now that reminds me of you know the three hundred, but worse. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was. Um, and at this time too, you know, as the watchers on the wall, that episode starts. Ingrid stands up to the uh, imaginer of Fen. Well, yeah, it's not of Fen. They're, they're Fens. Fens are the like, Fens are their like like I don't want to say species, but like you know, that's that, that's who yeah. they are. Like you know, like like the Dornishmen and the Northmen. Like they're Fens. Magnar is, is like a leader. Yeah, yeah. Magnar. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, she stands up, puts like the, you know, <laughs> you've been thinking about my uh, what yeah. are you called my something mints or something like that. And he tells them like uh, if anyone yeah tries to lay a hand on Jon Snow, I'll have an arrow for him. Yep. So it, I mean, it goes to show she still loves him. Yeah. Like to this point, she just she loves him all the way through to the very bitter end. Uh -huh. Is it bitter indeed? <laughs> uh, and Sam, you know, speaking of him, he loves Gilly at this point too. So. And that's why he actually stands up to her and says, "Open the fucking gate," which is really funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I was taught to open to anyone. Like Sam Tarly has never stepped to anyone in his life. Yeah. Like, open the fucking gate. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I've never heard you stare or swear before. Like, well, get used to it. <laughs> yeah. So but, that's uh, pretty funny. But yeah, so the wildlings show up, and of course, you know, this is when you really get to see the giants and the mammoths and all that at Castle yeah. Black. Um, which, yeah, so, yeah, you can go on into this one. Well, I, I, the thing is, I, I, I love battles. I'm a big, like, battle strategist. I love, like, how everything is kind of, like, put together. Now, it's portrayed a bit differently in the books, but what you really see in the TV series is that they're making their first attempts out at the wall, and Alistair Thorne is at the top of the wall, uh, basically, um, <laughs> and honestly, like it, we all we all learned to really hate Alistair Thorne because of how he treats Jon Snow and how like like it doesn't make any sense. But it was so funny because uh, what he he had like he's like uh, he tells him to knock draw loose is like is like the term that you use. So he tells like the brothers to knock, and then this one guy like actually drew like tripped and fell and like launched the arrow, and he's <laughs> he says. <laughs> Does knock mean draw? No, sir. Does draw mean loose? No, sir. Yeah. Do y'all want to die tonight? No, sir. That's very good to hear. <laughs> like, that was my favorite. Yeah, what do you like? Just like the, that was <laughs> Do you all yeah. want to die tonight? <laughs> yeah, that was excellent. Oh man, so he's like you know, as much as you hate him, you have to respect him as a commander because yeah. he's he's actually good yeah, at what yeah. he does, and he does. Um, give direction, and even you know something I, I missed. Uh, I should go back to is even before that that part happens. Uh, he starts talking to Jon Snow. And he's like, "You can say it if you want." Yeah. He's like, "He's like, well, he's like, you uh, that we should have sealed the tunnel." It's like, "Oh, it was a hard decision either way." Right. And yeah. he talks talking about, well, "You know what it means to be a leader, Lord Snow." Mm -hmm. It means every little twat with a mouth is questioning every <laughs> every <laughs> right. every move exactly. you make. Yeah. You know, and so but the moment you start questioning yourself is the minute you're lost. Right. So, 
you know, you kind of have a little bit of respect there for him. And like we said, he's not like a coward or anything like that. Like, Geno Slint, he's the worst. We'll talk about him <laughs> here in a <laughs> second. But <clears throat> So, they started throwing the, the barrels of pitch down. Um, they, the, they break into the first uh, like little inner area down below, and they start having like a battle scuffle. And so what Alistair Thorne does is he puts Jano Slint in charge of up top. Mm-hmm. And then Alistair Thorne goes down to meet them, like, hand-to-hand combat down below. Yeah. And so um, I think this is really important because like, you guys see, like, we get to see, like, how much of a coward Jano Slint is. Yeah. Because, like, he's now in command of up top. Mm-hmm. He's saying words that you can't even hear. Like, like, he's like, don't worry. Giants don't exist. Only stories of scared children. We're gonna yeah. he's like he's like trying to talk. Right. He's, yeah. he's like we got four inches of steel bars, cold <laughs> cold steel, and then like like they're all looking like around at John, and then so remember what Gren does. He pretends that he just came down from uh, came up from down below, and he runs over to the side. He's like, uh, uh, Jan, uh, 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 Lord Slint, uh, uh, Commander uh, Thorne needs you down below. You're needed below. Even though, like, no one said that at all. But basically, yeah. they, they, they went against uh, Thorne's thing just to get John in command of up top, which kind of really saves their asses. Right. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And uh, here, then you start to get the whole battle with, uh, I was calling Maginar or Finn, whatever his name is, because, you know, John winds up battling him. And he oh, has that later on, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, a, there's a lot that happens between now and then, because... Um, you know, Pip's there trying to shoot a crossbow to, to kill people, and then before John even goes down below, remember, once they do as much damage as they kind of can from the top, and they realize, like, Sam Carly comes up and tells John, like, hey, listen, like, like we're, we need all the help we can get down below, like, we're, we're, we're on our last mm-hmm. leg, basically. Right. So John grabs Gren, and, because, like, they see the giants trying to pull the, uh, the outer gate, yeah. and... I'll tell you what, that one guy put the big old harpoon arrow through the giant. Yeah. <laughs> which was really cool. So that giant fell, he died. Man would kind of run off with like, the fire uh, from the pitch. But John grabs the, uh, Gren, he's like, I need you to take five, uh, five brothers and go down and hold the inner gate. And then like Gren starts to do it, and he grabs Gren, he's like, hold the gate. Because he knows, like, yeah. that giant's coming through right. there. So, like, like that just, that, like, that showed, like, the desperation of how bad he needed mm-hmm. them for there. And, like, how they answered the bell, man. It was super cool. Because then, you know, down below, Alistair Thorne is fighting Tormund, actually, before right. John gets down there to take on uh, Magnar. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Alistair Thorne and Thorne, they have a pretty good battle. Like, you start to see it. You know, Alistair Thorne, he knows what he's doing. He can, he can wield a sword. and you know, it, it, uh, They have like a good back and forth. It was an even kill thing until Thorne you know, catches him in the side. And they have to drag uh, Alistair Thorne like, th- like <clears throat> through the doors and like sealed off. And at that point, you're like, fuck. Right. Like, you have the commander's down. Jon Snow's up there. You've only you sent five guys to fight a freaking giant. And, yeah. the, and the tunnels down below, like, dude, we're screwed. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, like, Egret, now on top of that, she puts an arrow through Pip's neck after he kills his mm-hmm. first person. He gets so excited. He's like, got one. He's like, well, it's a war. And Sam Tali goes, it's a war over. And there's a battle over. And he goes, no. He's like, well, then how about you kill another one? And he starts, like, like, like one. the thing. And that's when he catches the arrow right in the neck from Egret. 
and like like he dies in, yeah. in his arms. Um, but yeah, uh, they he goes down below. John goes down below, and I'll let you kind of take into that because I know that you you know you and this then really have a thing going guy, on. Yeah. yeah, you got this thing going on. So talk, talk a little bit about you know how when John gets down there. How that goes? Yeah, so you know, uh, John goes down below and has the battle with. I put he also has a steer. Is that his name? That single guy. I know he's the Maginar. Yeah, the Maginar is like the leader. So like, I, I, I honestly, oh, Finch. Really I think his know. name is Steer actually. Could but, be. Yeah, but he has the battle with him, and you know, Steer has the axe. He has a sword. Well, it goes very back and forth for a while, and then John. Catches him that like the, 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 then did he smash John's yeah, like, anchor? Yeah, smashed him, and then he almost got completely knocked down. And then he found that hammer. He lost his sword. He like yeah, he was like, lost his hand, sword. And he was using his chain. And Egret, she saw like Egret, like it was like, yeah. like like, like uh, that they were doing that. But yeah, you're right. He lost his sword. Trying to use a chain to take the axe out of his hand. You're right. It's very very back and forth. And then yeah. took the hammer and smashed it on his hand because <laughs> he was getting <laughs> choked out. Yeah. He was like, getting beat. And then he he saw a hammer. Grabbed him, pow! Yeah. And then at that point, what happened is he turned around and who's holding the arrow straight out of his heart? Like he's like like staring right at each other. Yeah. And then like he smiles, and like she like like they they still love each other. That's such a sad. That's a Romeo and Juliet story for the ages. That's really because yeah. like before she could like obviously put her bow down or they can embrace each other or whatever was going to happen. Ollie. Yeah. Puts an arrow through her. And why I say that comes full circle, Egret is the one that put an arrow through Ollie's dad's head. Right. So, Ollie, remember he said in the beginning, I'm the, I was the best archer in my community mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, he, he put a he put an arrow right through Which, Egret. It's funny you're saying this, because remember how we were talking about Achilles earlier? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It's almost like how uh-huh. Achilles died. Remember Paris shot Achilles yeah. as... <laughs> You know, his love interest was there, like, trying to hold him. Yeah. And she was, like, on the opposite side. And Paris was like, you know, go away. Like, yeah. go, go run to safety. Yeah, like, yeah, run to safety. And she's like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's just funny how, you know, all this kind of plays out. And we were like, all the, you know, similarities between the two, I would say. Um, but, yeah, and then Ollie, it's kind of... It's it's sad, and then you know yeah, kind of sad uh, because like as she's like dying, John Snow runs through her like grabs her arm, and as she's dying, mm-hmm. you know she she says like the coach like we should have stayed in that cave, and as she's like yeah, she's like struggling to say he's like don't talk, we'll, we'll go back there. Yeah, and she she looks and she's like you know nothing, John Snow, and then yeah. boom, she dies right after that, and it's just so sad. And there's a part where John says, <clears throat> "Man's radar has a thousand as many more men." <laughs> Uh, after they put Tormund in chains, as everything is kind of starting to sweep slow, up here. Slow down, yeah. Yeah. Which, there's one thing we didn't talk about, and that's the giant at the gate. No, it's next. That's yeah. literally okay, the yeah. next one right here. There we go. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, well, so like, like you said, like the Tormund getting put into chains, he's like, uh, you know, they, they take him down there. And so Jon Snow, in his, in his head, he comes up with a plan. He's like, listen, like, you know, that was just number one. They've got waves and waves they can hit us with. Like, we can last maybe another night, another night on top of that max, but eventually they, they will break through. So, he starts walking down below, and he's going to go to the Wildling tent, and he's going to try to kill Mans Raider, right? 
So, <clears throat> and Sam Tarly at this point tries to stop him. He's like, you listen, like, even if you succeed in killing Man's Raider, the wildlings will kill you and they're going to do it slow. And Jon Snow's like, you're right. It's a bad plan. What's yours? And um, so, the, mm -hmm. um, he said, yeah, what's yours? And he didn't have one. So he said, okay. So he starts walking towards there. And as he's like, literally going through the gate, he sees the dead giant. And he sees all the five brothers he sent down there. Yeah. Like, all of them died, but they held the gate. And they were yeah, reciting uh, the vows. They, they decided the vows like before they did it, because like, yeah. like the guy was getting really, really scared, and like they yeah. decided the vows, and like it got your blood pumping, man, and like they went right at they it. Did, yeah. And so five normal guys took down an entire giant. They all died doing it, but like they needed them to hold the gate, and he held the gate. And what's funny is like once you know in the next episode, because like it really ends with John walking out of the. Uh, uh, outer gate to walk towards, not beyond the wall to go towards Man's Raider. He ends up telling them because, like, um, Man's Raider says one of my giants went into your tunnel and never came back out. He said he uh -huh. was killed. He's like, well, he was the king, the last of a bloodline of giants that goes back thousands of years. He's like, Grunn was a farm boy. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like you're, you're like the prestigious yeah. like major giant with all this like you know accolades or whatever was killed by a guy that uses a pitchfork. <laughs> hey. Right. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how episode 9 ends. The, you know, those, the uh, uh, Night's Watch, they survive the, the, the first night, the onslaught of the Wildlings. They took everything they had in them. They were, like, down to, like, the thing. Another thing I want to talk about, too, which is really cool, is that anchor drop they did, like, through the wall. You know how the wall, they had the anchors in them? They broke yeah. the anchors, and the, and the thing started, like, like the pendulum started coming that, yeah, against the wall, cool. and they sliced that was the, awesome. on them off, so... Yeah, but you know where it all ends up to is you know Tormund's captured is now like uh, a um, prisoner of the Night's Watch. They survived the first night. The giant didn't break through the second gate. Um, they held they held the gate, and um, you know. Which I gotta say, this this is coming from left field, but Castle Black would be a really badass haunted house. That like if it was that horror nights, man, that would be yeah. sick with the giants and the wildlings in there. Dude, that's <laughs> a really great idea. Man. Wouldn't that be sick? Dude? That's a phenomenal idea. Castle Black would make a great haunted house. Yeah, well, you heard it here first, so me and Josh. No, you're. Man, <laughs> I can't no. take credit for that, man. That, that was awesome. That would be sick, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, this is when we kind of lead into episode 10. Yeah, our, uh, last, our last one. Yeah. And, you know, so John is, after everything, he's sent to negotiate kind of with Man's well, Radar. He wasn't so. sent. He did it on his own accord, but yeah. he tells him that he was sent right. to do it. Because he still wants to keep up the uh, illusion that they've got more men than they really do. Right, exactly. So he was sent to do that. And he's like, now nah, you're running low on men. You, you threw everything you had at us, what Man's told him. But um, <clears throat> what I think is what we need to talk about is when John tells Man's Raider, because like, like, what do you say? He's like, now oh, you're wearing a black cloak again. Meaning, like, you're, you're like, basically you're a side swapper. Like, he's like, I wanted to be right about you, I really did. And John Snow tells him, well, like, listen, I was on Corrin Hathen's order to infiltrate the Wildlings and tell him everything that happened and murder him to gain your trust. So, I was loyal, but to my side, not yours. And here's the thing, right? I almost take Man's Raider's side. Because, I mean, and even going to the point of man's rear up to the very end he was trying to offer john peace yeah um and they could have easily taken john out if it wasn't for stannis showing up oh you? for sure yeah um it really makes you question i mean i get it 
you got to be loyal to your side. But did John really do the right thing here? Yeah. Looking from the outside, did he really do the right thing? Well, he took vows and he he chose duty. You know, so it, it's hard to fault either one. Like, you know, when you think back on it, what was it? What else he was going to do? Because at that point, he, what he was going to have to kill his brothers and nice watching if he joined the Marauding Army. Right. Yeah. You know, you, like exactly. those are people that like mm-hmm. you you bled with, you trained with, like you those are your brothers. Mm-hmm. So you were either going to kill your own brothers or you know defend the wall, even though you might agree with why the wildlings want to get out of the, the above right. the wall. So yeah. you're in an impossible choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that's, uh, that's so and so here's one thing too, another question I wanted to bring up. And I, I talked to you about this before we started today, is remember when Man Strader tells Jon Snow, he's like, well, I sent 400, I sent 400 wildlings to, uh, to scale the wall uh, five miles from here. And like, we never ever find out what happened with those. He's like most, like maybe most of them will fall and die, but a lot of them will go get over the wall. So like, whatever happened to those four hundred wildlings that he sent, like, yeah, you never find out because like out. you, like the what you pointed out, Stannis comes through and decimates their entire army with his cavalry, all of it. like just 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 me- messes them all up. Like it was it was awesome. Which then this goes into the point of you know what the, we were talking about. You know, did what side do you pick, Man's Radar or Jon Snow? You know, Stannis, when he comes in and just messes it all up, you know, he's talking about, you know, taking Man's Radar prisoner. And Jon Snow says, you know, I'm the son of Ned Stark, is who I am, and identifies himself. Well, then uh, Stannis asks him, like, what should he do with... What would Ned Stark do? Yeah, what would Ned Stark do? And he says, uh, my father would have taken him prisoner and listened to what he had to say. Yeah, well, he kind of goes into, like, a whole thing of what Mandrader has done for him. He's like, I was his prisoner once. He could have tortured me, he could have mm-hmm. killed me, but he didn't. Right. So <clears throat> my father would have taken him prisoner and, and listened to what he had to say. And then here's a really cool quote, because Stannis Baratheon, he, he talks to me, he's like, it's customary to kneel before your king. And then Mansrader says, well, we do not kneel. And he said, well, you know, I have, you know, all of, yeah. I, I don't have, I'll have to execute your whole entire army because I don't have enough chains to hold all of them, and I've got nothing to feed you. He said, all the same, we do not kneel. Yeah. Like, he didn't give yeah. a shit, and that's going to obviously cost him right. later on. But, uh, yeah, you know, and then while that's all going on out there, kind of take a quick trip back to uh, King's Landing, because now we see that Kyburn is attempting to keep Gregor Clegane alive yeah. as that kind of weird <clears throat> battle of, you know, dominance between him and Grandmaster Pycelle of who's going to be the maester, you know, going forward. And basically, <laughs> Cersei kicks Grandmaster Pycelle out of his own laboratory. It was awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, this part in the books was a little bit more descriptive because there's even a part in the books... Uh, where it describes he was screaming from the venom that Oberon used on the weapon. Um, and just really goes into more of, you know, how detailed Oberon was with his biting tactics. Um, but yeah, he said, do it, you know, Cersei said, do anything you can, uh, anything you need to save him. Come to me for anything. Mm-hmm. Which, like, you know, like that kind of goes to how, like, what the length Cersei goes through to get what she wants. Because to kind of go into the next part, Remember when Tywin's like, you are betrothed to Loras Tyrell, like you're gonna marry Loras right. Tyrell, so like to join the houses, and you know Cersei 
comes to him and she goes, I'm not, I will not marry uh, Loris. And he's like, yes, you will. And he's like, um, he starts going into some story and then Cersei cuts him off. Like, you know, and she never does that. She's like, yeah. I'm not interested in hearing about one of the stories about a time you won. And he's like, she's like, I will not marry Sir Loris because if you try to force me to, I will confess. Right. Yeah. And Tywin says, confess to what? And she's like, my goodness, you don't even know. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, you know, for someone who's so smart, like, you don't even see in front of your own face and your own, or claims to know your family so you don't even know what's happening right underneath your nose. Right. Yeah. And she's, she, she admits to Tywin, everything they say about me and Jamie, Jamie is true. He said, no, I don't believe it. And she looks at him and she's like, yes, you do. So if you force me to marry Laura, so I'll tell everybody that your bloodline—it's all false. It's all fake. Yeah. That, that that all the, the you know Tommen and Marcella and Joffrey were all born out of incest. Yeah. And so she strong arms Tywin, which is awesome because that just doesn't happen. Yeah, it never happens. Um, and then you know, as we're we're going back to Danny here. Yeah, next one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so our queen, you know, she's shown. And this part's really significant because it really brings her back down to earth just a little bit. You want to go into that? Or I'll go into it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, are, you, are you going to talk about, like, the... The little the, girl? The, the girl. Before we go into that, there's one part because, like, I have that written down next. I want okay. you to go into that part. Let me take this, the quick part right here. Go for it. <clears throat> Before what happens that you're going to mention, another man comes to, like, an old man comes to Danny and kind of really explains the flaws in her system. Like, you know, your your new world is really built for the young, but for the old, even at these new places and shelters, they beat us until, like, we, they take our food and all the rations were, like, us old folks were not really given a chance to survive. I want to, I want to be, you know, back into slavery with my former family, my former masters. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, what come, with freedom comes a choice, and so I will allow you to sell yourself for a fair wage back to your masters for a contract lasting longer than a year. So... Like, she mm -hmm. starts kind of realizing that she didn't have all the answers, that things are happening that are outside of her control, and that some people would rather be slaves than, you know, be free in her new world because it doesn't fit all of them. Like they said, the old ones are weak, they can't defend themselves, they're helpless against the young people who are, you know, also, you know, just freed slaves and, like, looking for, for food. So, yeah. you know, and then after that, in walks the, uh... So, yeah, uh, you know... Uh, this girl is brought in and you know before it was the sheeps that were like killed and it's it's easy to you know if it's an animal which I mean animals you know they're like family too but you know Danny can offer things if it's like a sheep that's burned up or eaten by the dragons well this lady brings in her child has so been it's a guy it's a guy yeah Brings in uh, his daughter that's been burned. Um, and so it really hits her and kind of brings her down back to earth a little bit. Because, you know, children, like, she's like, we can replace animals. Children are non-replaceable. Which almost goes into what, you know, thinking about how she always looks like her dragons as her children. Because she'll never bear children, so it really hits her. Um... And so what does she do? She goes and locks him up in captivity. Now, I will say, I think the books went into, did this a little bit better. Agreed. Because in the show, they were just like, where's Drogon? We can't find him. You know, and she just brought him in there and kind of closed up the 
chains, and the dragons were screaming and screeching. And she kind of like shed maybe a tear for a minute and then locked it up. And, and just a quick thing, it was Viserion and, and Rhaegal that she locked up. Like, yeah, those Drogon was Viserion. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in the book, she was really distraught when this yeah. whole thing was happening. And it was harder to get the dragons, yeah. too. Like, to, yeah, so talk a little bit about what she had to do, like, in the books to get the dragons in the chains. Yeah, so uh, in the books, uh, to get the dragons in the chains, first Viserion, uh, they had to gorge him with meat until basically he was completely drowsy and lethargic, almost like if you took, you know, what's it called? Uh, a NyQuil, <laughs> like a NyQuil, yeah, if you dosed up on a bunch of NyQuil in the next morning, you can't have, like, wake up, because you're still, like, completely, or took a bunch of Benadryl, you're still, like, fatigued and don't even know what's going on, so they just dosed him with meat until he's completely laid out drowsy, and then dragged him into captivity. Rhaegal was even harder, because he had, like, you know, the dragons are smart, so they can kind of notice what's going on. Uh, so actually, he heard Viserion struggling. Uh, they actually had to trap him in a net, and it took three days to do it, and six men were burned. Yeah, burned to death. Mm -hmm. Like they died. <laughs> yeah, and then here's what I didn't like that they didn't really mention a lot in the show. Drogon actually... It wasn't that they didn't know where he was. He just could never be captured. It took three attempts, and 40 men were burned. And four died. Drogon actually fled out to the Dothraki Sea in the books, which is why they can never capture him. So it wasn't they didn't know where he was. It's just that's what happened. So it had a lot more detail in the books about this. Versus I get it in the show. You don't have that much time. So it just kind of showed her locking him up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, this kind of goes into... Uh, now you kind of have... Well, what I have what next... Part? Yeah, I, I have, like, the... Georgia? Not quite. Uh, okay. The Night's Watch lays their dead to rest. Gotcha. Like, they have that little ceremony on the pyres. You know, they, like, you know, Mace Raymond says, we'll never see the like again. They put him down, which is really sad, because you kind of see all the brothers of the Night's Watch that died at their post, so that, you know, <clears throat> in a way, you, all, you almost kind of wonder, was it all worth this? Because at the end of the day, you know... They, these people just want to eat across the wall so they weren't killed by a dead army. So, like, there's so many people dead, like, you know, for a difference of opinion and, you know, being born on the wrong side of a, of a construction. But then it goes into, you know, Bran and Mira and Jojen. You know, they, they find, they, they, uh, they find the, the three out of Raven's Lair, but they're attacked by the dead. Which I had a question, because with all these dead, you know, the army of the dead, they all have blue eyes. But in, in this, when they were attacking, they were all just skulls and skeletons. There was yeah. no eyes in them. Yeah. So I started wondering, are they are they part of the army of the dead? Are they something separate? Like, are they like a trap before, like, the... I don't know. I, I'm assuming they're supposed to be part of the army of the dead. But the fact is, they didn't have blue eyes. And I don't know, maybe it's because they were rotted to the point where the eyes didn't exist anymore. Yeah. I have got no idea. That's got to be my, you know, guess or like, hypothesis on that. And... You know, that's where we realize that the children of the forest are still alive because the children of the forest saved them. Well, I mean, outside of Jojen, who... Dude, it's, it's, it was sad because, like, he just... Like, the little... The, the arm came up out of the crown and just kept stabbing him in the stomach over and over and over and over and over again. 
So Jojen died, and like you know, because he already knew he was going to. Because remember back when he was a captive, uh, and they're like, "How do you know that it's not the end?" And he's like, "You'll." He's like, "How do we know it's the end?" And he said, um, like, "You'll know because like he saw he saw his own hand burning, like he was right. burning." So um, outside, yeah. So outside of that, like we after they get inside there, we meet the three eyed raven. Another actor change. We meet the original one now, but you know, going forward, it becomes up becoming an entirely different actor. So. Gotta start asking these people why all the actor changes. Like, we weren't going to notice, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, but we don't know much about him yet. He said, you know, basically the words were, you're going to teach me to walk again. Brandon said to him, he's like, no, you'll never walk again, but you will fly. And then from there, there's only really three more quick points that are really, really important to kind of sum up and wrap up Season 4 here. Uh, Brienne and the Hound. They find Brand finds the hound, and uh, you know she sees uh, she realizes it's Arya Stark that's with her, but the hound kind of gives up Brienne about having like the the sword. It's like Lannister gold, so like now Arya doesn't know if even though Brienne's saying that's for about your mother to protect you. Yeah, she's like, well, I've been staring at Lannister gold my whole life. Go on and tell me that's not like uh, you know the Lannisters didn't give you that. Yeah. It's like it's, it's, you know, Jamie Lannister gave me the sword, and so now Arya. <clears throat> basically doesn't want any part of any of them, but the Hound and her fight anyways, and what a brutal fight that was. Yeah, Back was and forth, fight. low blows the whole nine, yeah, like, like biting each other, like, it was a, it was a scrap. It was a scrap. Um, hey, real quick, too, uh, Jojen, you know, he didn't make it out. Yeah, um, that, yeah as far as, like, the fire girl that rescued them, though, what would you classify her really as? She's children of the forest. Just the children of the forest, She's a child really? Of the forest, yeah. Like she threw that fireball on Jojen so that he, he his body burned and he wouldn't come back as yeah. like a dead. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so you have the fight with uh, the Hound and Brienne. It's pretty bitter. And, you know, it. the Hound really holds his own for a while. They were both awesome. Blow for that, blow. Right? That was one of my favorite fights. Yeah. Like, screw the fight between Jon and Carl in the, in the Craster's Keep. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> this was really the, the way to go. So, yeah, so the end, what ends up happening, basically... Brienne finally gets the best of him, knocks him off the cliff, and he falls, you know, like hundreds of feet, you know, breaks his leg and everything, but Brienne took a lot of damage herself, and like, yeah. she starts screaming for Arya, Arya's kind of like hiding behind the thing, and when Podrick like, and Brienne can't find her, Arya kind of walks up to the hound, and you see like his leg is shattered, like his bone is through his thigh, oh, yeah. his leg is shattered, he can't move, and like... He's still, you know, she asks if he's dying, and he's like, yes, I'm dying. I'm, he's like, fuck it, I'm ready to die. You remember where the heart is. Yeah. And instead of a mercy killing to put him out of his misery, she kind of, that's sadistic, like, no, I'm going to let you rot and die on your own in pain. And so yes. he um, grabs his silver, takes the silver from him, and just walks off. And it's sad because you see, you know, him in such a vulnerable state, like, begging for him to kill, begging her to kill him, so, you know. He's like, kill me! Kill me! Like, yeah. Like, like, I mean, he's literally talking about, like, what he should have done to Sansa. Yeah. Just, just, to, to, just to get a rise out of her for her to kill him. Yeah, exactly. She That's what's going on. And she's like, nope, you're going to die nice and slowly, like you deserve. Yeah. And um, then on top, like, the next thing, obviously this is probably the biggest thing of season four because of what it pulls into later. Jamie and Lord Varys, um, they free Tyrion. And uh, Tyrion, on his way from where they, uh, they they're, they're going to take him to get on the ship to take him out of uh, King's Landing, 
he decides to stop by. In the books, it kind of he almost he does it on purpose. Where in the show, it almost seems like he stumbles upon it by accident. Ends up in Lord Tywin's bed chamber, sees Shay in Lord Tywin's bed, and uh, yeah. that breaks his heart. And they they have a struggle, and he strangles her with a necklace, breaks her neck, strangles her, and then he looks at the crossbow and go grabs it. Then he has. He, he goes sees the you know his his dad's sitting on the toilet. He's like, yeah. you want to shame your father? You know, I'm sitting here on the you know on, on the toilet. And you're pulling a crossbow. I mean, let's go talk into my chambers like 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 a civilized people. And Tyrion's like they they start going back and forth, and he's like, I I killed her. I couldn't. I can't go back in there. He's like, it's a whore. It doesn't matter. He's like, don't say that name. Don't call her a whore again. All right. And, um, he starts talking about like. You've wanted me dead since I've been like I like I was born. He's like yes, but you kept you kept on surviving, and I respected that. And he's like, yeah, I was, you think I was ever going to kill you? You are a Lannister. That's what you're worried about. But like, I think that that's just him. Really, he doesn't really mean all that. He's just trying to retake control of the situation and lull Tyrion into a false sense of security. And so, um, he he says he calls. Uh, Shay a whore again, and Tyrion, uh, to his word, puts a bolt right in his father on the shitter. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> that happens, and then uh, he's like, "You are no son of mine." He said, "I am your son." And boom! Throw, puts another one in him. Yeah. Varys puts him in a box. And it makes you almost wonder, like, if Tywin actually liked. Tyrion, or if it was just a cop-out yeah, last cop minute? For sure. It was him trying to retake control of the situation. There's no way. Because, I mean, he does say, you know, I do respect that you fight for your he life. He was going to say anything at all so the way he could get control of that situation. Yeah. Anyways, so, though, so, uh... Yeah. But, you know, and then kind of the last scene yeah, we kind of did. Yeah, to end it right off, the last, that really last part, Arya's trying to figure out what to do now. She wants to take a boat over to the Night's Watch, um... And he said, we're not going that way. We're headed to the free city of Bravos. And then she remembers that she's got the iron coin. And she grabs the iron coin and she hands it to him. She says, Bala Mogules. And, Bala he, and he gets like wide-eyed and looks at her and like touches the top of his brow. He's like, Bala Dojares. And so like there's some meaning, big meaning of the significance behind this coin that she was given. No like, you know, financial value, but more than that. And so... That's really how season four wraps up with Arya on her way to Bravos to uh, to really meet meet back up with Jack and Agar and see uh, exactly what she can become with his training. Yeah, and the whole big deal behind the coin was, you know, Joaquin gave it to her and said, um, if Jack she present, <laughs> yeah, if she presented the coin, they would grant her a wish, uh, as long as she said the customary greeting, Valar Mogulius. And they would respond with the large Ohilis. So, it, I mean, it really means a lot to him. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of really where this whole thing leaves off. And, you know, Tyrion, of course, he kills Tywin um, and very sneaks him out um, as far as that goes. And, you know, I guess this kind of really, really wraps up, I mean, right? I mean, that it really ends with her heading out to Bravos and so. You know, quick takeaways from where we are, you know, the big, big bullet points, you know, number one, Castle Black holds against the Wildling Stannis is now north of the Wall, 
or not off the wall, but he stances now at the wall with the Night's Watch. Um, the Mountain kills Oberyn in single combat. Tyrion escapes, and now he's on his way, and we know what ends up happening and where he joins up with. Arya's now about to go learn from Facing Man. Liza Aaron's now dead. You know, so things are still in play. Uh, certain people's stocks have risen, others have dropped. I'd say the Lannister stock has dropped a lot at the end of season four, and they're starting to really get what they deserve. Uh, yeah. That karma has come back around, but um, yeah. One real quick thing coming out of left field for my last left field thing. I'll run through it real quick. So I did a review on uh, Ravens, right? Because we were talking about Ravens so much this season. Long story short, so uh, yeah, it actually would. Uh, Work where ravens are too intellectual, so they would rip the message off. So it's not like in World War One with pigeons, where they would send messages. But uh, falcons won't work, and neither will hawks because they fly short distances. Owls were really looked at as symbols of death, and there was only one that was actually trained, which was in the Middle East on YouTube. You can look about called Yolo, and he still wouldn't release the letter because they're very territorial, so they really won't go to those places, and they're more like hunters. But yeah, that was pretty cool. So I put that in there. But yeah, so that's your little side uh, side thing. So that's why carrier pigeons were really used because they're more instinctual and they're not quite as smart as ravens. Like they were used in World War One, and it's just attached on their legs. But anyways, uh, this is. <laughs> Don't know why that couldn't wait for our summary, but we had to throw the owls in there. But uh, <laughs> anyways, um, yes, this has been uh, Storm of Swords and Feast for Crows. Yeah, it? season four of Game of Thrones, uh, brought to you by us here at the Ridiculous Crew. This is uh, Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.